you are the only person that can control your destiny there and more importantly, control what you know you think about it. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is the people who are around you who may want genuinely the best for you, your family, your friends, they may not understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. They may not have a concept of it. They may think what you're doing is stupid. They may think that that's not how it goes. And it all comes back to the fact that it is not a part of the plan. It's not just like do this and then you're there. It's the progression and people fall apart in that period or they're not sure what to do. What's cooking, everybody? I am joined in the bunker today by my very good friend, Michael Sahagan. Michael knocked this one out of the park. This was an awesome conversation. It's one of my favorite conversations ever, period. Like, not just on the podcast, just period. And I think in particularly in the second half of this podcast, there are themes that we cover that any person who would ever listen to this can find something in there that they really relate back to their life and and find some deeper meaning in it. It was it was awesome to be a part of and I'll have Michael on again down the line. He he did a great job. Anyway, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe. And remember I'm putting out short form clips now on YouTube pretty much every day, so I haven't pushed that in the past, but if you're not subscribed on YouTube, if you get a chance, go to the page Trendifier on YouTube and subscribe. That would be amazing. Thank you. To all the people who have left the five-star reviews with a comment on Apple Podcasts, they're amazing. Thank you to all of you. To those of you who haven't, if you get a second to do that, I'd really, really appreciate it. That just helps with new listeners who are coming in and deciding whether to listen to the show or not. And then finally, let's keep that system rolling of sharing your favorite episode with one friend this week who you think would like the show. Some people have been doing that. That's adding new listeners here. So to everyone who has, thank you very much, and let's keep that rolling. That said, you know what it is. I'm Julian Dory, and this is Trendifier. This is one of the great questions in our culture. Where is the news? You're giving opinions and calling them facts. Everyone understands this, but few seem to do it. If you don't like the status quo, start asking questions. specialize in like the world of customer service i never knew what that was it's just like oh like why would i ever want to call back what's the value in that and you can just get so deep into a specific area um i think sales gives you that opportunity that not many jobs do they don't teach any of that in college sure no they they teach nothing around actual sales and relationship building and i'm not even blaming colleges for that i'm just saying it's it seems to be kind of a fact based on people i speak to regardless of where they went they're like yeah i didn't know any of this shit so like you coming out you were a poli sci major you said so you know there's a lot of different things you can get into after that it's like kind of a broad-based liberal arts major yeah but you're like all right let me let me go into sales like i'll figure this out and it seems like it was just pure being thrown into the into the fire, like, all right, I'm just gonna have to take my licks and, and figure yeah. it out because there's nothing in a classroom that prepared me for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's funny. I wouldn't say anything in the classroom, but at Bucknell, it was when I was doing the annual fund that was just calling people for money. Mm. So right off the bat, there, I was like, all right, this is just a job, make some money. Then you're calling people Who, for money. So you're calling. I was calling graduates parents, and, and calling parents. alumni and parents. For, for donations and those are always fun the current parents were always the fun 
because it's like, oh, you know, I'm already paying 60 grand. You want me a hundred <laughs> extra bucks? Yeah, please. They're yes. Like, F off. Like, you know. Yes. But, give, me, give me 200 actually. Yeah, exactly. No, it was, it, it was very interesting that way, but I was like, you know what? This is, this is a very like trial by fire as a college kid. You're just cold calling people. A lot of the experiences were really good, but it was just, you know, I was like pretty good at it. It was something I enjoyed. And so you had some experience. For sure. Yeah. But then it wasn't like, oh, I want to do sales, but I was yeah. like, you know what? I do have this background mm. that isn't just some kid straight out of college doing a cold call the first time. Let me give it a try. And it's kind of taken me here. So. Yeah, definitely been good. I love listening to the speed of how you do things. Like anytime I'm talking to people in sales, like they're they're on the ball, they're everything, and and like you're also you're living up in New York City, and you're not from New York City originally. No, nope, I'm South Florida. Where in South Florida? Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. That's correct. Fort Lauderdale. Nine five four. Second time in a row. <laughs> I, I I texted Pinnock after after the last episode with uh with with Luke, and I was like, I got your back, homie. Yeah. And he's like. Only real ones, no. Anyway, Absolutely. neither here nor there. But you've been up in New York now, what, like three, four years, something like that? Yeah. Okay. There is something about being in New York, but just in general, like the Northeast, but especially New York, mm-hmm. where whether it's sales or any industry, things just happen. Yeah. Like fast. Mm-hmm. Like boom, 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 boom. And it's kind of this big paradox right now because New York has stopped. It literally, like like the city has stopped mm-hmm. since March. Yeah. And being in an industry like yours, no problem being able to go remote. And sure. we talked about earlier, like some of the adjustments, like an actual sales cycle and stuff like that. But you're able to do it. And a lot of industries have been able to do that. But the whole vibe of like the hustle and bustle of the street and like that energy and 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 how to be in that all the time and, and affect how your game face is on every day to do what you do. Yeah. It's It's not there right now. Yeah, no, I, it's it was shocking at first because I, I I remember you know it's the it was mid March is like my birthday was right around that time and like weeks and months before it was you know the jokes is like oh the COVID it's like in China like it, yeah. it's another you know it's like SARS or Ebola, something that was you hear about it that wasn't in the, the states so he's like no big deal and I remember I had a friend who's like really into you know, data and analytics. And he, we're at a bar like, oh, this is just a joke. And he was just stone-faced. It's like, this is going to be bad. It's like, yeah. if this guy's freaking out, I got this, this is, uh, I'm a little nervous. And yeah, I remember our company, it was because March 12th, that's when everything changed. When it was just like Tom mm. Hanks, the NBA. Every, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh man, here we go. Yeah. And I remember the next day our company's like, hey, we're going to do a, a trial work from home day. It'll be cool. Trial. Yeah, yeah. it's like, We'll be back on Monday, and we're all like, on Friday, like, hey, everyone, it's a Zoom. Like, it was all this, and then not knowing it'd be, yeah, we don't have an office anymore, like, kind of thing. But, yeah, it was weird because most of my friends, you know, were home. There was no one in the city besides my girlfriend. Uh, shout out, Courtney. But uh, but it, just, it was just so bizarre, the city of just everything going on to just be nothing and not having the, the little things you didn't think about that made your day until now. Like I missed my 20 minute commute. Just having that process of just walking to the train, just thinking Mm. about whatever, doing that office, just moving around the steps. Your step, like I'm a big runner. And I just know that even if I was still running, my steps were just so decreased because besides my run, I was just in the, in the apartment. I would have to force myself to like walk across the city just to do something. That was just like mentally, not being able to like have those things there was shocking. And then the second thing I think, just the 
the eeriness of the, the first couple of months of just mm -hmm. no one was in the city. It was something of like, I'm in the East Village and I'd walk to lunch in the middle of the day, the Union Square. Normally, just a normal walk, you never would think, but it was so empty. You know, there were really just mostly like homeless people around that time. I was like, I gotta like be, like check my back in New York City at lunchtime in an area that never before like yeah. I had to think about. So yeah, it was tough. It was just like a lot of uncertainty. And I think, um, I think the great thing though about New York is people are resilient. It's people very creative. It's just, you know, we don't have this. What could we do in the meantime? Restaurants, bars. It's like, I can't do what I normally do. How can we be creative of just trying to service the people that are here? The people are, there's still millions of people that are there. Like I, obviously there are people that left, but then, you know, you have people that come from other places in the world. It's like, this is, they can't leave. Yeah. So I think that was an important thing. I realized that, yeah, a lot of my friends, they went back home or someone went to the Hamptons, but like their immigrant families that like, they had no, they couldn't leave. So it was interesting just to see the like people that were there, like who was still there and like what it was like. What's yeah, still I mean, it is now. You look out at some of the boroughs, especially yeah. you know, outside of Manhattan. So yeah. you look at Queens, you look at the Bronx, you look at Staten Island, Brooklyn. Well, yeah. parts of Brooklyn, depending on where we're looking. Right. There's a lot of people who are born and raised there. And yeah. so, yeah, they're not necessarily leaving. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's and continues to be a, a mass exodus from Manhattan. That said, to your point, there is a lot of money still there with real estate holdings. There's a lot of people internationally who are still there. Maybe they're not there right now. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what it's going to take to rebuild it. Mm -hmm. But to have that, it's just so crazy because when you look at the, the two weeks leading up to COVID, I don't know how much you guys saw because you guys are based out of New York in, mm -hmm. on, in your case, but it seems like the tech sector knew first that this was coming. Mm -hmm. So the week before, I always look at Friday the 13th. That was my first day of quarantine. Right. I was up there too and yep. uh, in, in North Jersey and it was, it was bad. And so I actually saw a doctor that morning and, and, and had, had something done. And, and um, I remember turning to him and, and having a long conversation about it. And he was the one that really sold me like, okay, this is different. And so I called the, I called the office cause I was, leaving the job in a few weeks anyway. And I was mm -hmm. like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to chill at home because you guys are not going to be the office on Monday. Right. But that, if, if you go back like a Friday before that or a Thursday before that, you saw that week before, I think Google canceled the IO conference. Yeah. You saw South by Southwest get canceled as well. And I remember getting a call from one of my clients, Jake, who owns a company out of Austin and New York City. And so he had moved his headquarters to Austin when it was yeah. before COVID. Like yeah. he had moved it like a year and a half before. And he was like, listen, man, I, I need to figure this the fuck out because everything's shutting down. And I'm listening to all these conversations in the tech community right now. And they're like, nope, we're going to be inside for months and months and months. So he mm -hmm. goes, I don't really know, but this is fucking crazy. And that was when I was like, hmm. Like, this guy's always in the know. He's in the middle of the shit. So right. if he's saying this, that means a lot of people are saying this. And then you had that week where it was like Tuesday, you had Joe Rogan have on Mike Osterholm on his podcast. Mm -hmm. Once I heard that, I'm like, everyone's going to see this. I, had, I was tracking it. I think the main clip where he explained everything was like he had 
8 million views on that within a day. He had 11 million views on the episode on YouTube within a day. We can't see the data he's getting on the audio downloads. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. And then the next day is when Gobert and that, Donovan Mitchell That was crazy. I remember exploded. watching that game. It was just, it was like huddle. And then they're about to tip off. And then it's just the players are back in. And then it's the tweets. It's just like players go back to the locker room. Player test for COVID. NBA season cancels. You like, remember, you remember Cuban at yeah. the at, at, on on the half court, like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like he like leaned back. He's like, oh my god, right? But then I think that was you know, obviously there's fears of it. But then I think then it was kind of like, oh my god, is this like this miss yeah. like gonna kill everyone in the arena right now? Like, yep. but it was just shocking because it's just this is real. And I think for a lot of Americans, it's just I've never experienced anything like this. Of you know, you see problems in other parts of the world. This is like for Americans, it was just like. Well, now we're part of this all. Like it, was, a it was unprecedented, yeah. Michael. Unprecedented. unprecedented. <laughs> yeah. Well, to bring it back to New York, though, mm -hmm. that's the wave came like right. It was like coordinated yeah. almost. And mm -hmm. New York, densely populated area. This thing was traveling out for God knows how long because the communist Chinese government lied to us about everything that was happening there. And right away you had like the focus on de blasio and cuomo like what are you gonna do because yeah. new york it's already having an outbreak and that's when i was learning about people in my life who had it and had it bad and i was mm -hmm. like oh shit and so they pretty much shut down yeah now you said that your company said oh we're gonna do the trial thing on friday is yeah, that right the friday and then they're acting like oh you know on monday we'll probably be back in yeah and then it's like monday and then it's like in two weeks in a month it said mm. indefinitely and then a month ago it's like yeah we just closed down our office so tbdm when we come back so so they weren't they like on monday even though they weren't like oh you know we're going to be closed for two months. They were still like day to day. It was still pushing it a little bit. Yeah. But it was just one of those things like, come on, like we all know yeah, it's going to be a little while, but I think it's the type of thing. It's the balance, you know, of the safety of everyone. Cause it's not just, you know, they're doing the decisions for the company, but for the people as well. And it's just, it was uncertain. It's just like, this is something you're in HR or something. You, you have your playbook of what to do for a company. Mm. No one ever read that. In case of a pandemic, this is what you do. So it's just like I, 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 I'm not gonna get mad. Like it's, I, I, I'm lucky that they do the best what they can. But it's just uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. There still is. It's just let's our, go. Our expectation of companies in this is not fair, especially yeah. in hindsight. Like you don't know with that. That's not like it's even unfair to governments in a way. And I think the government's botched us at every level. We'll talk about that, but yeah. I'm not, I'm definitely not excusing the governments. I just want to be clear. Like at the very beginning, like there's certain things like, okay, yeah, that, that wasn't their fault. Right. Mm -hmm. It's as things go on and what happens, that's where it starts to be like, okay, you've had some time now, you know what's going on and what the fuck. But these these companies were forced into this situation where no one wants to be the first. Right. No one wants to be the first company that has someone get it in their office or somehow associated with something social that happened with their company mm -hmm. and then die. And then guess what? Get sued. Yeah. And that's the sad commentary, but that's what creates the whole fear around things because once you have the fear of litigation, I'm not even talking about loss of life. Like we focus on loss of life all the time. And yes, obviously that's the main focus. But once you have the fear of like, oh, the litigation around the loss of life, now the dollars are affecting everyone who's still going to be on this earth at this company or whatever. Now it starts to get to, 
well, let's not take a chance. And then if they don't take a chance, the next company says, oh, let's not take a chance. And then if they don't take a chance and so on and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. And then when you have it from the top where the governments are saying, stay inside, socially distance, whatever. I mean, it's like a cascade. Once the dam breaks, that's what it is. So you guys go inside that week, but it's still kind of day to day. When did you start to realize like, oh shit, I'm going to be here a while? Um, I, it's just almost kind of like a blur just yeah. because it, it's just, you know, it, it's nine months ago. Like, it's just crazy to think it's about. Crazy. Like, it's crazy to think, like, you were, we were talking about Kobe, right, driving here. And it's just kind of like, that happened the same year as this. Anything that happened before March, that January and February, that feels like years ago. It's, it's like 10 crazy. years ago. I, I was saying to someone the other day, I'm like, imagine if I told you heading into 2020 that Kobe Bryant, beloved former basketball player and more than that. Mm-hmm. He and his beautiful daughter were going to be killed with nine other people in a helicopter accident. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be a top five story of the year. You would have looked at me like, what the fuck happened? Right. Well, here we go. It's insane. And I think, uh, just kind of going back, I think the thing, it wasn't in my company, but just being, starting to observe um, the behaviors of people in New York City of like how severe it was. Because the beginning, more mm. many people, I think the mask wearing, that's where it started to... At the beginning, I wasn't, I never had owned any mask or anything, but then I would definitely see in my area, like the Chinatown area, like, cause I think people from Asia had, you know, or always wearing masks beforehand. So it's like, those are the people that had the mask from the get go. Yeah. So it's like, okay, they're just wearing the mask, whatever. And it's just slowly over time, you start seeing like, when? I would say like late March, early April. It's just mm-hmm. in the same thing. It's like, it got from the beginning of like, most people weren't wearing masks. So it's like, oh, that person's wearing a mask. That's kind of, they're the outsider. And then it slowly started this shift of like, masks weren't the things that you were, uh, you know, you were seeing more and more of just in the city. So it was just very, it was like a slow trickle of like, this is a reality. Cause I, you know, what's funny. I remember at the same time, the big deal was when New York um, got rid of like plastic bags. Like that was their like mm-hmm. countdown in March. It was just, I was like, oh man, I gotta pay five more cents for a bag now. Wait, what was? I remember, I vaguely remember right. that now. What was the story there? They literally banned plastic bags anywhere. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it was a the five cent tax, and it was something that like literally around the same time. And I was like, all right, this is the big thing in New York. Everyone's gonna like kafuckle about, and yeah. it was just, uh, you know, it's just like stuff like that. It's just like this is the biggest thing we were worried about, and yeah. then it just puts things in perspective. But I think. Um, another thing you mentioned, I, and I bring that back to sales. Sometimes people in sales are, you just overthink everything. I like the phrase paralysis by analysis. It's just like, sometimes mm. you're just like, you want to prepare for a call. You read this book, you watch this YouTube clip, you do all these things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's easier just like, do it, do it. Just like you, sometimes you just hold yourself back because you just want to double check every little thing to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. Like I, I'm not in government. I don't, there's so much I don't even get, so I'm not going to pretend like I'm an mm. expert. But I feel like sometimes it's like, let me do this to appease this person and that person. And it's just like, let's just do something instead of just talking about it. And it's just like, you're going to, life, you're going to always piss off someone. Something's going to go wrong. There, find me a place where you do something and everyone's happy. I'll tell you, it's, a, it's not real. Well, I think that is an extremely relevant little segue you just did yourself there into how in this case some of some of the sales aspect relates to policy 
mm-hmm. and, and what we've been seeing. Mm-hmm. Because now we are nine months in. And it it appears like a lot of the federal response was botched here. It feels like maybe once it actually hit in March, it was decent there for a while. And then I don't know what happened. The states have all been different. Some of it's been far too severe. Others, as far as their policies around COVID, others have maybe been far too lax. I don't really know. And and I try to stay here right. with it, right? But recently, I would say, especially over the past two or three months, there have been a lot of very alarming trends to me on on how they handle this. And you talk about how politicians in this case are, are looking at it like, well, they're trying to appease people and whatever. And there is a lot of it that's that. But there's a lot of manipulation in it too. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to appease people who they've manipulated into a belief system where they're going to appease them towards when you think about it. So you talked about how New York wasn't even wearing masks until the end of March or beginning of April. I remember, because I was inside the whole time quarantining, I was a tenth of a mile from Morristown Medical. You know, it was like ground zero there in, yeah. in North Jersey. So I wasn't going anywhere. And I remember my first time going to run to the CVS at the beginning of April. And I walked in there. I, I didn't even know what masks were. And everyone's got a goddamn mask on. And they look at me. They're, and everyone just like looks at me really funny because I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like walk in there, whatever. Hey. And then I'm like, I'm looking at all the faces. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I took my hoodie and put it over. And I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. Yeah. But again, like that formed so quickly. Mm-hmm. And it formed from messaging from the top. And so when you look at the appeasing that's going on, the appeasing that we're seeing at this point, nine, ten months in, to come back from when we were just getting used to mass in, in March and April, mm-hmm. is now at a level to which the goalposts have been moved so many fucking times that you don't know where it ends. Mm-hmm. And these people come to you like they're your friends. They talk to you really softly and, and like, you know, hey, I just want what's best for you and we're just trying to save lives here that they take these actions that people don't think about the repercussions of what they can mean down the line. Mm -hmm. And right now, yes, it it certainly appears to be like there's Democratic politicians who are doing this more. It's just a fact. I would prefer to not make this a party thing, though, and look at this as a government thing. The states where there happen to be Democratic politicians in charge are where there's the urban populations more than likely, so Mm -hmm. California, New York, Boston, whatever. So it's just a result of that. And you see, in this case, the people saying like, oh, no, we're going to tell you when your business can open. We're going to tell you when you have to shut down. We're going to tell you you have to stay inside. We're going to tell you when to take this vaccine. We're going to tell you to do all these things. And now people are looking at it like me and going, hmm, when a government's trying to sell me on this stuff – And they've been selling me repeatedly in a different way, just getting me farther and farther down the rabbit hole for a long period of time. It feels like they're taking power that they're probably never going to get back because governments don't get back power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's just it's just like what's going on. I it's I don't know. I don't have an answer because it's just I don't know the way I I I look at these things. I try sometimes simplify something that's very complex. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of all right. There's a pandemic. I'm healthy. Statistically, I'm probably going to be fine. I might have had it, even if I don't get it, whatever. Um, if I die, that'd be statistically the, the anomaly, like whatever. I, I, I won the worst lottery you can ever get. Yeah. But it's just kind of like these basic things of, all right, wear a mask inside, whatever, like 
sure, I'll do that. Like mm-hmm. I'm doing the, the the necessary things. Like don't don't make arguments over this stuff, which frustrates me. It's like do the bare minimum, and you can still live your life. Like obviously, like believe me, I'm someone like I love concerts, like the bars, like all this stuff. Like it sucks not being able to do any of that, but we're gonna get to a point where life will get back to normal eventually. It's just all right. There's a vaccine out there now. In X amount of months, it will be re- distributed and will be okay. So I don't know. It's 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 just it's just fresh. It's just like there's no answer. And it's just what now? It's just like because New York is just like oh indoor dining got shut down. Yeah, and it's just like here we go again. It's just I think the first time it was a different you know level because it was just oh shit like what do we do and this has never before happened. It's like things slowly started being taken away. Then it's like, okay, we're back to a level of we have to live with the virus. This is the behaviors we'll have until a vaccine is distributed. Yeah. And it's like, all right, here we go again. And here then it's just like, again. what do I do now? Like, I, I, that's just something I just know a lot of people are frustrated. It's just like, especially businesses in the city. It's like, I just see, it was a nose announced like yesterday. And then within hours, I see like bars I go to. It's like, we're closing down. It's just like that quick. It's just like, how, how that happens. And then again, you have these guys, these public figures, um, some of them unelected, I might add, mm-hmm. coming out and say, you know, Fauci going on TV going, well, the 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 vaccine being 90% is, is, a, is a very good sign. But when you get it, I would say you want to social distance and continue wearing your mask and doing all the things because while it may be 90% for other people, it, it it's not necessarily 90% for you. And it's you're listening to him and you're like, he's already trying to set the expectation that when we have the vaccine, we're not going to be able to be normal. And so like, and here's the funny thing about a podcast, man. When you're doing this every week, putting out two episodes a week, one episode a week, whatever it is, yeah. you're having long conversations. You have some things that age very well. Yeah. And then you have some things that age very badly. Right. Right. So when I had Horo in here for like eight hours and we did a couple podcasts, we had so many amazing conversations in there that are just so far aging beautifully. And then there were like three or four where within like five days, I was like, ooh, that, that one missed. Right. And, and one of them that we talked about that I still wasn't thinking about at the time as much and I've just thought about it more and more and it seems like it aged terribly was – being somebody who was in New York like you the whole time, he was going through how Cuomo approached it. Mm-hmm. And I tried to pull out of the situation because I saw Cuomo and Trump bitching at each other like children and all that this whole time. And I'm like, that's just fucking politics. Like, right. I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. he's going to accuse him of this. He's going to accuse him of that. Let's just look at, like, what the response are and how the cases are doing and, and where we're actually moving forward and getting back to normal here. That's what I cared about. So what Huro was saying in that argument was – you know, Cuomo really followed the data at the beginning in order to make his decisions. And he, and this is true, he even laid out on Twitter and on, on public platforms and his press conferences every day, exactly, I think like the seven variables that he was looking at. I'll put them in the show notes, what they were, but I remember this very well. Right. And so Hora was saying, hey, I really appreciated that because he was being transparent about what his metrics were to be able to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. That now has seemed to completely change because while there are case numbers rising, mm-hmm. we've seen a significant difference in the number of deaths per cases. We also have all kinds of questions around what kind of tests people are taking, which is a whole nother thing. There's no doubt a lot of people are testing positive. I'm not denying any of that. That's mm-hmm. not like this isn't a quackery den right here. But you don't know how many of them are taking a PCR versus taking the actual like no bullshit test, which is up the nose and in, in the throat. Mm-hmm. And you all also, like, there's 
context to it. And so now when you see them coming out and shutting down restaurants again and telling businesses when they can open and therefore like nine, 10 months in, these businesses were already getting crushed. They're done. Right. Like they're fucking done now. And you're clo- you are taking away their ability to earn. When you do that, the data that you now have doesn't support it. These fucking contact tracers and all this shit, like that's what they claim to do, and unless it involved a protest, which was literally something de Blasio said back in June. He's like, you cannot ask someone if they were at a protest. Oh, you can't fucking ask them if there were around 10 million people out there. That makes a lot of sense. But besides that, these contact tracers are all over the place. And I don't know who these people are. Like, do you know a contact tracer? No. I, I don't. There's no one on LinkedIn. You don't type in contact tracer and be like, I am a contact tracer working for the state of New York. But whoever these fucking people are, right. they're out there tracing contact. And the data that we get reported shows that a very minimal amount comes from bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. It's like the number was around like 2%. I think it was slightly below. We'll, right. we'll check that. But yeah. it's a low number. Where are most of the contact tracings coming from? They're coming from personal social gatherings, which guess what? They're going to happen. And that is the other slippery slope here because another thing that aged very well, I might add, from the Horo episode was we went through the California mask mandates ahead of the holidays. Have you seen those? Uh, I'm I'm not going to rehash the whole thing. Fucking hilarious. You read it. The government is basically telling you where you can sit in your own house. Right. Who you are allowed to see. Oh, you have four kids in their families? Guess what? You can only see two this holiday season. People don't understand the line that is being crossed there. And the more you just accept it and take it, I don't give a fuck where it's coming from. I don't care what party's doing it. Every party's been wrong at some point or another. This is not a political thing. This is a freedom thing. Yeah. And unfortunately, New York is just a very good example because it's ground zero of the whole thing. And now they're coming back and they're not doing what Horo liked at the beginning. They're not following the data. Mm-hmm. They are simply telling people when they can do what they want to do. And they are telling people, no, you don't have the right to earn. And, and it's fucked. And I think the, the thing is, you know, I feel like every month I remember the beginning, it was like the CDC says it is only travels by this. It's yeah. every month there's a new thing. So for me, it's like, you know what? They don't know everything. I'm, I got to make my own decisions. At the end of the day, that's it's like, I think it's a problem with people just in general. It's just, you just live and die by, you just like any one person, you take every word, the gospel, it can be very dangerous. So I'll give you an example very recently. You know a guy, Jordan Peterson? I know, so, I know Dr. Peterson well. So here's the thing. I don't know who he was. Never heard of him. And it's something that like a friend from high school brought up in the group conversation. There's something about him. And then instantly I'm like, all right, some people are like, this guy's a fucking lunatic. Yep. Other people are like, Give it, you got to read his stuff. And I was like, yep. all right, this is one of those people, divisive the, uh, people like that. Bring it to other groups. And it, you get, I get answers of all different places. Like, all right, this guy's controversial. And I get that. Like, I, I don't, I, I watched a clip of him for two seconds. And personally, I'm like, I don't like the way he speaks. I like certain. It's like the cadence. I don't. I, for me, it's just I don't. Well, care. it's just forget. It, that's just you know. Yeah, no. It, it's just like that doesn't whatever. But I think it's just he's one person. It's kind of like, do I need to watch fifty lectures of the same person? I think some people mm. are. Ve- that's the thing with people. People are very. They just want to feel comfortable. It's like, oh, if the California government puts my kids here, I'm doing the right thing. Like they feel good. It's like I checked off. I did a good thing today. Instead of taking a step back, of does this even make sense? I think it's the same thing. It's like if I just follow this one person religiously, like hundred podcasts, 
obviously Julian's podcast, we want to listen to a hundred, but just, you know, like any other person, just like a hundred lectures. No, maybe why don't do a hundred different lectures? That's how I operate. It's just like mm. any one person. It's just, I don't want to just surround my values or like based off of what one person is doing. Cause I think you just get, that's just one way of thinking or even a group of like-minded people Yeah, who say that. Yeah. It's just, it's just so important. You gotta, I think you gotta take an honest step back of like, how am I getting my information? Is it all kind of the same way? You know, and a lot of people, it's just easier than ever to put the bubble of what are your interests, people that are like-minded and just stay in there. And I think that's that, so much of like what's going on of COVID, Black Lives Matter, just like every hot topic, there's bubbles. And I, I'm very interested to see in the future, will we ever go to a place where people can come together and, you know, not just stay in their one spot. God, you're hitting so many things right now. I don't even know where I want to take it. So yeah. I want to, I want to go straight down the chute with this and then go we'll for just it. see what happens. Yeah. But you're, you're talking about, I think you even said it a couple of times. I'm not sure, but you're talking about the echo chamber effect. And this is something mm -hmm. that it's already starting to go away in the public conversation, which tells you all you need to know. But the social dilemma certainly ripped open the wound here and, mm -hmm. and showed what's going on there. And so like, I'm, I'm a big Twitter guy. Right. And back in the day I, I had a page where I tweeted all the time and it was for like a blog sports blog back at like end of high school, beginning of college. And once I ended that, I, I didn't use Twitter to follow my friends or connect with people. I had a blank Twitter, yeah. like no following, no followers. And I just use Twitter to explore and see what's being said and get a feel for the, usually the most, robust loud voices on whatever the issues are mm -hmm. wherever they are and so i've been a big user of it for years and years and years and now recently like i low-key started tweeting a little bit like the funny thing is like a lot of people i i know like in my network like if you look among my people i'm connected with on facebook or instagram so few people actually like have a public twitter so i mm -hmm. guess there's a, the people who use it there's a lot of people like me who just kind of go on there for the yeah. news and don't say anything so i don't have i have like fucking two followers i i follow two people but I follow, it's interesting right now because being active on there again and having my personal homepage where I actually am connected with you know the people I actually do follow, mm -hmm. I can see the echo chambers each individual is falling into. And I love it because I follow people who are of different walks and, and experiences and interests in life. So I can get a feel for all the content that is coming through on that person's page. And then I've even been like, socially engineering and experimenting myself where I will start to go for a couple straight days where I make sure I only interact with this person's tweets, yeah. like detail expands and stuff. Interesting. And then I'll watch what happens on my homepage over the next week. Right. And I see the stuff that they're liking more and the, and the people that so-and-so follows mm -hmm. and I'll watch what's being said. And it is so fucking unnatural how we communicate on Twitter in these 280 character blasts, because yeah. even threads, you know, people read the first two and they agree or disagree and call it a day. And you see how people suddenly get trained in this mindset. And then you see these accounts that usually fall in the range of, say, 40,000 to maybe 200,000 followers. So not enormous, but not small, mm -hmm. where they tweet the same one-liners all the time. Yeah. And they ingrain these thoughts in you. Right. And so I'll even give an example of one I like because mm -hmm. I think he nails it every time, but it's still important to say. Are you familiar with, with Russell Okun? 
I'm not. He is. You'll remember him. He was the left tackle on the Seahawks during all their. Oh great, yeah, 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 yeah. Really, you know, two-time yeah. All-Pro. Yep. I think he played for the Broncos or Chargers maybe for a year, yeah. maybe the Broncos a year. Now he's on Carolina, mm-hmm. and Russell Okung is a big Bitcoin guy mm. and a big free thought guy. So he's he's one of those like I don't want to put him I always say this about people because I'm not sure and I don't like to put him in a box. He seems to be a libertarian type. I don't want to say that for sure, but right. go check out his Twitter. Right. I think his Twitter is flames. Everything he tweets is stuff that I seem to agree with. Mm-hmm. And yet even that cuz I think a lot of it is positive. He talks a lot about freedom, about the problem with psychological conditioning, about the problems of governments that take too much power, about the problems of looking at data and 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 basically like taking advantage of it to make your point, which we're seeing from public officials now. And it's all it all makes sense. But even I step back and say, okay, how much do I just already psychologically want to agree with what he's about to tweet mm-hmm. that I get stuck there? Mm-hmm. So I check myself and then say, all right, let's go find some opposite thoughts on this. Right. And like a lot of times I do agree with him and don't agree with them. But it makes like experiencing his account more honest for me because then I can be like, oh, well, that's what other people are saying. People don't do this on Twitter. People don't do this on Instagram. People don't do this on Facebook. And so they get caught in these opinions and then they want to agree with stuff. So you look at a guy to bring it all the way back to your example, like Jordan Peterson, who I am very well aware of. I would not call myself like a fanboy of Jordan Peterson. I'm not subscribed to his YouTube page. I, you know, I've listened to him on like Rogan. I've watched some of his videos that show up on accounts on YouTube where he was like on TV and stuff. And he's, I like him. It's very, very, very interesting guy. But he got put in this box of this intellectual dark web conservative. I don't even think the guy's conservative. He might have been pushed there at this point, which happens a lot. I don't want to speak on that. I don't know. But he just had the audacity to come out and say, hey, that doesn't seem like it's it. So Mm -hmm. his whole thing when he rose to prominence, and this is why he's controversial, no one knew who he was. But in Canada, they wanted to legislate on words. Back in like 2015, 2016. So basically, if you mispronounce someone, they wanted to make it like a civil offense where you could be like fined for it. And all Jordan Peterson did was say, that's it. That's how tyranny starts. Once you start affecting speech, this is straight. We have a book called 1984 that shows this is what the fuck happens. And so he came out and said, no, I'm not going to do that. And so what happened? Everyone said, oh, he's transphobic. Oh, he's he's homophobic. Oh, he, he hates people. He's a white supremacist. All this shit. And they can label him with this stuff and write him off. So they, you use the word controversial. This is what we do to people. Yeah. We just label anyone controversial. And now suddenly you have to preface when you talk about them. We shouldn't be doing that with Jordan Peterson. Right. There are guys we should be doing that with. Donald Trump, we should be doing that with. He is controversial, right? right. But there's, there's a line and we have now blurred it. And so all these people, they, they pick their tribe. Who are the leaders of my, am I a Kyle Kalinske guy or am I a Pod Save America guy? Mm -hmm. Am I a Ben Shapiro guy or am I a Jordan Peterson guy? And they pick their tribe and then they hang on to every word that gets said there. And then when someone just wants to disagree with it, they go, no, you can't do that. You're wrong. I hate that. I just think it's just so unhealthy to just live and die by a certain, doesn't matter what, but just like holding on to every word that someone says just unhealthy like i don't operate like that and going back to social media 
I fucking love social media. I think it's such a powerful tool if you use it the right way. Like yeah. with Twitter, like I'm, you know, it's funny looking back over years. You were social Mike. <laughs> you were social media Mike. I mean, Michael. I, excuse yeah. me. No, yeah, it's Michael. Um, but it's just like it's cringy to you know look at like dumb stuff back in the day of like my tweets. It's like who cares what I say? That's just like such a dumb, you know, thing to think about. But I think it's just any of these tools you can use to your advantage. Like I don't give a fuck what. This girl I went to school with 10 years ago is on vacation. I'll mute her. Like, I don't care. It's like, you just put it the way, the stuff that you want, your interests, and that's, you make it so simple. Like, yeah, if I'm following every single person in my whole life that I haven't spoken to in years, you're going to be stuck in um, purgatory of just like mm. in your phone. It's just like, you're just like looking at this stuff. It's like, oh, no shit, you're depressed. You're just like looking at the best stuff of people you don't even speak to. Um yeah, and I, I think it's something that I guess I've never said. It's like, I fucking, I love like comment threads because it's just, yeah. I think it's just such an, even though if it's, who knows if it's real or not, but I think it's just always interesting to just, there's just, there's something posted and then immediately the top things are probably something that are against it. So I'm like, you know what? Two ways of thought. That's, I think the first thing people got to do is admit you're not as smart as you think you are. Like, I love saying like, I don't know what I'm, I don't know. I don't know something. Prove me wrong. I would love someone to prove me wrong and just learn from people. My whole thing is I'm a sponge. I want to learn from this group. These little tribes. Yeah. I'm the guy that peeks his head into each one. Like what's going on there? What's going on there? Okay. This is how you think. This is how you think. This is right. But maybe this isn't. And it's being able to talk to people in all different groups is just so important. I think it starts obviously you know, with Trump's election, it just really turned the whole Republican versus Democrat of yeah. like, oh, I won't talk to you if you're this. Yeah, It's just, it's sad because it's like, I I have friends on both sides and it's just basically saying, oh, should I just say half my friends suck? If that's like, yep. you're basically telling me like, if my parents voted differently than me, it's like, they suck. It's like, I can't think like that. I can't like define a person just by that. I get it. I understand it. Like, that's the difference. Like, I might not agree with it, but I understand where you're coming from. But I just think people in general, it's just got to be just being more honest with themselves of like not being afraid to like find, be curious. Just don't yes. just be complacent. I think mean, that's the beauty of like the internet. There's so much out there. It's constantly learning. People are like, oh, I read this self-help book. I'm done. What are you looking for when you go through the comment threads? I really like that you said that. Yeah. So it like – influencer x or uh -huh. you know big twitter account y when you're when you see a tweet from them or a post from them what like you hit the expand comments button sure. and then what are you looking for or do you already kind of know what you're going to get and you just want to you want to see that it happen? no i i don't know that's the beauty it's like it's the type of stuff that like in the moment someone says something and then it's a rebuttal and then they'll use an example and then like, i go on rabbit hole it's like all right he uses this example let me look up what this example is mm. read that Maybe there's a comment thread for that. It's just like a never-ending way of just learning. It's just, it's just I'll, I, I never want to be the smartest person on a subject matter. Like that's, it's never gonna happen. Um, it's just, but it's just really to just learn from other people, just like see how people think. It's just like yeah. this person in Kentucky is gonna have a different experience than someone in Florida. Their, the way they grew up is gonna impact the ways that their ideology is like my girlfriend's from Canada. So we have discussions. Some things that she experienced versus me are completely different just by the nature of where we grew up. 
Yeah. She's an only child. I have two younger brothers. There are different ways of thinking there. You're an only child. It's just like these kind of factors of like, I always like to think of, why did this person say that? Let's go backwards. You said this because of maybe the way you were brought up, your background, et cetera. Like, I always think of like, why did the person say, that's why. Not just like, you're wrong. Hmm. You said that. Let's think why you did that. You're, I, I love you're to do that. You're describing empathy. Yeah. I think it's so important. It's it's shocking people don't have that. It's it, I don't know. It's it's and, no, but the, yeah. I love I I I want to attack this yeah. in a good way. Yeah, you are talking about not saying, "Hey, I'm going to make myself have to agree with this person." You mm-hmm. are just literally asking why, right? And the ending to that story can and should be for a, in a healthy society, an agreement to disagree happily. Yeah, if. One side did not convince the other side with enough evidence that their case is stronger, mm-hmm. which, by the way, you should be open to. Yes. You should be open to the idea that your mind can be changed. Yes. And and let me just call this out. Like, there are times in my life where that is not how I was. And we're always going to feel strongly about some things. I mean, I put opinions out here on this podcast. But I want the evidence. If someone has a better case, I'm going to hear it. Mm-hmm. That's how I go from being an Obama guy to being a Trump guy to being a neither party guy. Like, how does that happen in eight years? Mm-hmm. I've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Like, how does how do you go around the world like that? You go around the world like that because at some point you stop you stop buying the bullshit that you're selling yourself every day and say, well, why am I saying these things? Yeah. And so you're looking at it like, okay, why are other people saying these things? Because one thing about me that I pride myself on and I think is very important and you are telling me right now you pride yourself on is that like especially the best example politics okay someone's really really pro Biden or someone's really really pro Trump why mm-hmm. maybe I don't agree okay mm-hmm. but why and we don't ask these questions and the sides of the aisles don't ask these questions either these people don't like someone who really liked trump doesn't have empathy for you know a minority who likes biden because he can't stand that trump says something that's race baiting all the time even if he doesn't mean it or not like who knows like he's still saying that you don't know how that's going to affect that person and then somebody on this side wants to call everyone on the right side a racist when you know some dude got his job saved because someone finally gave a shit about him in washington dc Neither of these people are right or wrong. They have an experience. I just don't let politics define a person. Like, there's so much more to who you are than the party. I look at it like, oh, this person polite. Is he a friendly person? I want to get a drink with. What are your interests? What do you like to do? At the end of the day, I mean, this. I I don't know how to say this, but it's just my day to day life isn't going to change no matter what that there's a privilege there that I'm aware of for sure. But I remember as a kid, I remember in 2000, cause that was the first time I remember a, like from Clinton to, to Bush. I was like, Holy shit. There's a new president. Like, yeah. am I going to wake up the next day? What's going to happen? Well, was seven. It, it took 40 days. That's near <laughs> yeah, the exactly. Here yeah. But, but just that kind of, you know, these big changes of like the sun isn't going to come up yeah. no matter what, like that, that's what's going to happen. Like there are stuff, that I don't see that impacts in whatsoever, but it's just kind of like, what's my day to day? I gotta, I gotta, at the end of the day, whoever the president is, isn't going to just like Michael Sahagan, I'm helping you out. You have to do that on your own. I think sometimes like there are obviously things that you can get help from 
on smaller scales, but there's at the end of the day, it's like, I figure you got to figure it out yourself. You got to, you control your fate. There's certain things. Sure. But you wake up, you decide what to do that day. There's no mm. one else telling you what to do. You're talking about personal responsibility. Yeah. I love this topic. Yeah. Another one I love. Yeah. And once again, I, I think it's another example of something that does have some nuance though. Mm -hmm. And sure. I'll make some of the case here and, and you tell me what you think and you don't have to agree with me, obviously. But I look at this and I think I've hit on this before with somebody, but you kind of put it into two buckets. Like let's start at the political level when mm -hmm. you look at the Democrats and Republicans. Sure. The Republicans like to say, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, pure per personal responsibility. Like no one needs to help you regardless of your situation. Anyone can do anything. And then the Democrats seem to say, no, everyone needs help and we need to we need to give more help than than ever. And we need the government to take care of everything. And we need to hand out this and hand out that, which really psychologically over time has been proven to be like, well, it can get people stuck. It's like this is too little mm -hmm. on the right. Right. And that is too much on the left. And I kind of land somewhere here. And so I always use the extreme example of like looking in a very poor urban community. Mm hmm. You can't just look at them and say, oh, you need to pull yourself up. This guy did it. Like, they'll always prop up, like, somebody that made it out of the hood. And they'll be like, uh, you know, oh, well, this guy did it, so you can do it, too. It's not that simple. Yeah. Your environment shapes who you are. Mm -hmm. And the kid who's born into a broken home because his dad had him, you know, with, with, with his mom, and his dad then went to jail, and it all started with an arrest for a joint when he was 16 that just spiraled his life out of control. Now this kid is growing up in that environment. His mom's working two jobs to pay the bills. She's not around. There's no guidance. No man in the house. No woman in the house, for that matter. The school systems suck. And who he's got to, like, get to and from school. He's got friends at school who are in similar situations. What part of the expectation can be like, yeah, you know, that kid should be able to figure it all out for himself and pull himself up. Mm -hmm. Now, the argument shouldn't be that's impossible. That's what the left seems to want to say. That's not the argument. Like, you'll never be able to help yourself, so we'll make sure we, we just help you and keep you there forever in some mm -hmm. ways. But it also can't be like, yeah, man, um, figure it out. And it, it confuses me a lot because... If you're in regular middle-class suburbia mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe you don't have to get filled up with too much college debt or something like that, which is a whole another rabbit mm -hmm. hole, obviously, mm -hmm. and you can kind of go from this, you have a decent education, you go from this point to that point, yeah, there's a lot more personal responsibility there. And I don't think you should be given nearly as many handouts. But how do you, like in your head, do you keep the balance of, you know, some places we, we do have to look at having help at a public level. And not just throwing money at the situation, like actually helping communities and, and helping rise up and prop up very poverty-stricken areas versus we don't want to do way too much of that and drag it everywhere. Yeah. That's a good question. If I had the answer, maybe I'd be the president. Yeah, maybe. Right. It's no, complicated. But I think so much is I, – I, I'm always interested in like people that don't experience something have sometimes the loudest opinion about it. And it's just, you know, mate, I just remember, I'll give the example. I remember, you know, obviously after George Floyd, it's a lot of people, like the black squares and stuff like that. And it's just interesting of some people, it's just, I did this one thing. I'm good. Yeah. I'm not a racist. 
Like that's not how life works. But it's it's that's an example of just like let me check off the boxes. And I, I I don't like this. And I it's just be do tan. I look for tangible stuff. What are you tangibly gonna do? And I think everyone can do stuff differently. Not some people have the funds. That is one way to do something. Others can volunteer their time. But if you're just doing little things to just check off a box, that's not helping. So I, I think I, I think about this a lot. In terms of, you know, I'm a white guy from Florida and I'm lucky that I have a pretty diverse group of my friends growing up just to get different perspectives of wealth, race, religion. And I think a thing that's always helped me out is, you know, what my interests are. And just like taking an honest evaluation of, for me, I love movies, film, music, all different genres. And that's helped me understand different cultures so well. So I'm someone that I unapologetically love pop music. I love it so much. I love all genres. And did you go to, did you go to ultra back in the day? But you went to ultra. But the thing is, yeah, (laughs) the me now would just hit me in the head for going to that. Um, But it's just, that's an example, you know, I'm someone, I don't have any transgender friends. And the thing is, in, mm. the, in the electronic space, I've found out like so many artists are trans, gay, LGBT. It's just like, I've really learned so much about the community through the music. And mm. it's just like, that's just one example of like, yeah, I can watch a clip online or something like that. But that's just like checking a box to learn something more, but to really immerse myself and go to concerts where like, I'm the minority. It's just yeah. like that's where the challenge yourself is really rewarding of um, it's such a great experience because it's just like, first off, it's great music. I'm having a great time. But then it's like, you know, this isn't the environment I'm always in. But there mm. are people like this. There are people living this live. And it's just being the observant one of like, I'm I'm not, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to say the intruder, but it's just like, I'm just learning about a space that I otherwise wouldn't have before. And it's just it's so valuable. And another thing with the whole, like when people are like, read these like books about black people like to do something. It's just, yeah. I, I think it, there's like different levels of look at, look at what you, what do you watch? Like what are your favorite shows? What if you like your favorite shows? Let's just say the most basic, like the office and like friends or something. Sure. A lot of people would say that. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. They're popular shows for a reason. What if you watched a show that was like featured like a black storyline, something that's different, not saying you have to, but it's just stuff like that or, you know, I've found stuff. So like, you're saying you would encourage that? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I yeah. think just in terms of any anything, it's just like different themes, like movies that challenge you, shows that challenge you that are different, that aren't easy to watch. Is not saying you have to do that, but for me, that's just been something of like I look at this stuff as an opportunity to learn in a different way. That the director is someone that isn't like me, so they're gonna have a different thought process. So it's just gonna be a different way of thinking. Always, the more ways of thinking that you learn, I think it's just such a valuable skill to have. And again, it's not, again, there's nothing wrong with like that, those examples I gave, but it's just, this is an, an area that there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but you try something new, challenge yourself. You never know what you can find. The worst that can happen is like, you know what, this isn't for me. I'll try or something you disagree. else. disagree, yeah. Exactly, yeah. I think back in the day, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think I was the one who encouraged you to watch The Wire. Oh, I think you're the one that gave me a seven... You're the last person that ever given me a physical DVD. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... I'll pound the table with that show. For sure. I mean, till the cows come home, because Mm -hmm. it's still today. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still so relevant. Right. And 
people haven't watched it, it basically covers the war on drugs in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And it is actors and it is a fictional show, but it is so accurate that sometimes it's almost like a blurred line of a documentary. Mm -hmm. And you want to talk about getting another perspective on things and seeing the nuance and situations that occur within the confines of this country. That is something that can open your eyes. And it's so deathly accurate, literally, pun mm -hmm. intended, yep. that you can't walk away from that and be like, yeah, you know, everything's cool. Right. You you have, like, your mind is, hey, like, if you do, I guess that's your opinion. I've never heard someone watch that show <laughs> that then walked away and said, yeah, you know, it's cool. Like, your mind is going to then suddenly go to, wow, I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. Or, wow, I wonder what I would be like in that scenario to go, to pull back to your point on empathy. Mm -hmm. That is, and that's a prime example, but... You also then see the coordination of telling people or, yeah, telling people to go open their minds to stuff, mm -hmm. go too far. Yeah. Because it becomes a total paradox or whatever the word is where you are doing the opposite of what you want. You are telling people to open their minds, but you are instructing them to. Yep. Such that if they don't open it the way you want them to open it, it's a problem. Yep. Like, I'm not going to go, like love Robin DeAngelis's book, I forget what it's called, but on like how to, I forget the name of it, but it's basically, I think that was the book. We'll check this after, but there's literally a book that talks about like when, if you're a white person and you walk into a room with black people before you leave, you need to apologize to them. Right. Like that is fucking crazy. Yeah. That is the opposite. That is, that is taking an extreme of like when we treated black people literally as like not humans in this country at one point in our history, which is something that happened that yeah. we got to live with. It is like taking that and now trying to flip it back around. It is not a controversial statement, nor is it not a, not a logical statement for me to come out and say, that's fucking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And no, I will not open my mind to that. I know how that ends. And yet we're in this environment where people are like, oh, if you don't open your mind to that, then you're an asshole. Mm -hmm. Your mind's closed. And that's what I try, like, when I talk about issues like this on this show, I want the nuance in there because there's so much of it. It You can say in the same sentence that shit is fucked up and that shit is also not the worst it's ever been. Right. It's, I think that the biggest thing is people just want to label stuff. It's just the easiest thing to just get yourself out of a situation. It's like, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. This person is this. And that's it. Yep. People are flawed. We're all flawed. We all have problems different degrees but it's so much it, it's just people don't want to have the, the the chat it goes back to like the phone calls a simple text make it quick a phone call there's a lot more nuance to it you can just get the emotion understand the person instead of you know just like a, a quick headline like I, I did this like a couple days ago it's just like I read a headline and I made an assumption off it I didn't read the whole thing and that's just like everything it's just it's just like the, the day Twitter 10 trending things this person's an asshole, racist, rapist. I don't know. This guy got caught cheating on his wife. Like it's the same cycle every day. It's just, you got to take a step back or for me, nothing shocks me anymore. It's like, oh, politician lied. Politician caught <laughs> stealing. Politician had an affair. In other news, this the sky is up. This athlete took steroids. Yeah. This actor did coke. Like what? Come on. Like yeah. it's just, it's just like people get in these loops. It's an infinite loop. It's just, this is going to happen. Let this happen and just live your life. The microscope that keyboards yeah. have allowed oh. across society yeah. on every little issue has created this 
experiment lab, science lab yeah. that is a never-ending state of chaos. Yeah. We are, I mean, you want to chart it back in pop culture and look all the way back pre-social media to, you know, the highest example, like Bill Clinton and Lewinsky. Mm -hmm. And then you want to chart forward where we got towards social media and you want to look at an example like Tiger Woods. Now extrapolate those types where it's like literally the president and like one of the biggest sports stars in the world. Right. And take it down to like the mid-level whatever who 30,000 people know who said this one thing one time allegedly that yep. then becomes this trending topic and they get canceled. That is dangerous because we have a whole bunch of people who come in and as a job, literally like it's – go look at their Twitter feeds. They're on Twitter all day. Mm -hmm. It is their job to go judge everything else that happens. If you have this much time to go judge everything else that happens, when are you doing anything to make something happen in your own life to be able to say, I have experience to say what should happen or what shouldn't happen? Yeah. No one ever thought about that. And now, like, and, and again, it comes down to who's loud, when you talk about the loud voices, whose loud voices are supported. Yeah. Like, we look at the far right. They're fucking crazy. They're, they're not supported online because mm -hmm. none of these platforms subscribe to their ideology, thank God. Right. But a lot of these platforms, even if maybe they don't subscribe to it, they are supporting far-left commentary, which is terrible in its own right. And that's how you create things like cancel culture. So, yes, when we say this, unfortunately, you have to look at the politicized side, side of it and say, yes, the far-left has to own this. It's not a party. It's what the far-left has become. And so how do you then fix it if it's just going to continue being trending on these different on these different platforms, how are you going to fix it when you censor speech that appears to be people who are on the right side and you never censor speech regardless of facts or not facts when it's people on the left side or the far left side or whatever? You, you the, There are answers to these questions that are literally – they represent the slippery slope of society and the future of civilization here itself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people are talking about it enough. Yeah, and I think – the, the at the end of the day it's a tough thing is the people you ha as an individual have to make the decisions you have to question things mm -hmm. I, I, like i remember in portland you know when the like what was going on earlier in the summer like the protests and stuff like that and then i like read something and someone was saying oh this is only just like one little block here it's not like the whole city's burning down it's like when i when i'm in new york in march it's like i, I talked to a prospect it's like you're in new york are you okay I'm like yeah. no Oh yeah, there's bodies just falling from the sky. Yeah. Like it's not as bad as you like. It's not as bad as you think. Like, and when I was in D.C. for when Trump got inaugurated. I remember there's like a famous photo of a trash can on on fire. It's just like people in D.C. are burning the city yeah. down. You know what it is? It's a freaking trash can. Yeah. There's a hundred photographers just waiting for like the two people in mass to just do something, and then it's just. How quickly? It's like my parents don't know technology, but they get that image. It's like, DC, Michael, are you safe? It's like, yeah. Mom, I walk by that. Like, it's a joke. Like, yeah. it's, it's just like so much of this stuff is just what you context. Yeah, context. And it's just taking a step back, like, huh, is DC burning or is it just easy to get the clicks and the fear like this and any anything like that? And I think it goes back to just like people just want to make a quick assumption. It's like, oh, this is right. This is what it is. Damn, the city's falling apart. Like, let me take a step back. Is it? Is it? And it's just, it's it's easier to just not do that extra step of fact-checking. And, and and I think there's a thrill to it. You go down these rabbit holes of just finding and discovering stuff. I think it's just, you got to be curious at the end of the day and challenge yourself. And people just don't do that. It's rapid response PR culture. Yeah. Starts at the top. Look at, look at, I mean, 
all the State of the Union addresses in our lifetime. Right. Probably since the beginning. I was born during the Clinton presidency. So probably since the beginning, it has been a practice that whoever, whatever party's in power, Democrat or Republican, president speaks, and then the opposite party gives a State of the Union response. Right. How do they give a response? And, and I know like the speech is given to them like an hour before the speech. How do they have that long and coordinated and detailed of a perfect speech response right after the fucking speech was just made? Mm-hmm. And they're reading it from a teleprompter. So it was written for them ahead of time. They're fucking planning already preconceived notions into what's going to be said and why they have to disagree with it. And it's a power thing. Like we have created a structure that incentivizes people in power in government at all levels to have to do that because we don't have term limits outside of the presidency and there's a whole bunch of different places and areas of expertise that people can go into so they make a career out of it and they go from this office to that congress to this senate to that cabinet or whatever and they're just constantly moving around and gaining more and more power and more and more experience and more and more political currency and when you do that you disincentivize these people to act on the common good of beliefs, whether it be something that truly represents their constituents or something that they know, given the situation that was just read to them, is something that they need to stand up and draw a line here and say, like, hey, this is wrong or, hey, no, we really need to do this. And what I mean by that is because that's a little bit that's a little bit complex how I said that. When you are constantly worried about what a decision means for the next point of your career, like even Trump, who's in an election year with a pandemic, you don't think that half the decisions being made, he was judging based on what is my electability in November? Of course he was. Mm-hmm. That's not good for the people. Yeah. That's never good for the people. Right. And look at that across every single office. These people are figuring out how they're going to last to the next generation of their election and how they're going to keep their power or gain it and now look at it from the unelected official side you look at it from the central banks and reserves these people make careers whether it be literally on wall street and running in the elite circles and moving to the next thing to moving around different treasury departments or whatever you want to say monetary policy summits and groups and forums and literal like federal banking reserve jobs and stuff like that in government these people are making careers out of that Mm -hmm. so if you are the head of the fed for example and an economic situation comes in an unprecedented economic situation which always happens at some point in a federal Mm -hmm. reserve chairman's whatever is your response going to be, well, let me look at the greater long-term good here? Or is your response more likely to be, I need to save my ass because I don't want to lose my job and then lose all my other future jobs out of it? Mm-hmm. It's going to be the latter because you're a human being and you are going to act in your best interests. So I don't care what Federal Reserve Chairman you look at it, whether it's uh, what, who we have right now, Powell, Yellen in the past, Bernanke before that, Greenspan before that, all the way down to Volcker. All these people are acting like, how do I keep things afloat on my watch? Right now, I'm using just the Federal Reserve example here, but this applies to people in Congress, people in Senate, people in agencies, whatever. When they do that at the Federal Reserve and then they go to print money, that's their outlet. That's how they fix a situation, because if we have a money problem, let's just put more of it out there. Oh, yeah, it's going to fuck us in the long term, especially if the next guy after me does it again when he when shit hits the fan and the next girl after that does it and again and so on and so on. That's not my problem. 
My problem is saving my job right now. So they do all this, and in the process, they fuck people in the long term. And now we're seeing it on a grand scale, and we're seeing this huge move to Bitcoin and all that stuff, and that's a whole, mm, whole laundry room of a, of a topic there. But it is because people are waking up to the fact, in this one example, just going with it, that, oh my God, these people are just acting in their own self-preservation interest because that is the game. The game is how do I save my own ass, not mm -hmm. how do I save the long-term good of the people. Mm -hmm. So when you have all these levels of government across both of the parties where these people are making careers out of, out of things across every agency, like I said, agency, Congress, Senate, non -elect unelected positions, etc., you have created a system where when there's no term limits – they're going to act to try to last as long as they can. Mm -hmm. And now that also comes back down to society because the same voices get more and more power and have a louder and louder megaphone to then tell everyone else what they should be thinking and create tribes based on what their side of the aisle seems to have as a popular opinion at that time. So you can go far left and far right if you're a Democrat or Republican, regardless of whether you believe it or not. I know that's like a very long rounded tangent there, but you see what I'm saying? So I got a question for you. So you're a little bit more passionate than me on this yeah. one. So I want to know your thoughts because- You got me for, worked up, Michael. Yeah, I didn't even do anything. But <laughs> I think, yeah, for me, it, I'm the complete opposite of just, this is my kind of matter of fact. I don't get as riled up as you because I'm just corrupt people, powerful people are selfish. They want to do whatever they can to get what they, like nothing shocks me. This does what you're saying doesn't shock me. So- yeah. I'm past that part of my life where I'm just like, ah, I gotta do something. Yeah. Like, holy shit, they they want their self interest. Like that, and it's, and it's just like the, and I understand like I'm just one person, so I'm not gonna change anything. It's awful to say, and I think that's the thing yeah. a lot of people don't want to say. It's very just, I'm gonna have this discussion that will change everything. There's stuff on a smaller scale that you can directly impact. I'm a tangible guy. What can I tangibly change? That's what's gonna do it for me. Yeah, my vote counts. Sure obviously but it's not like my vote just changed america yeah. no it's like you know what's gonna help the freaking guy that across the street falls down i pick him up that's more important than the direct area for me um what was i gonna say i'll tell you this because bucknell i was in student government all four years i didn't do shit i thought it was something good for the resume <laughs> you know the, the biggest thing i cared good was for you. election season i was like oh yeah mm -hmm. vote for me i just cared about for my thing and whatever whatever it can and that's a small scale and I it's the same thing. I interned for a congresswoman in 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 DC a few years, like in college. And I remember one of the things she just said is like, if you can fundraise, you're good. Fundraise. And I remember because there was a time when she was going for a vote and she didn't even know what it was, and she just asked them like, "What do I vote for this?" It's like, holy crap! They they don't even know what they're doing. It's just such a. It's it was fascinating. It was very eye opening to like be in the political sphere. And they get caught in the echo chamber on their own. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you remember like when the Tea Party movement and Occupy Wall Street rose up? Yeah. I mean, now we've seen maybe the remnants of Occupy Wall Street bring, take out that guy, Joe Crowley or whatever, where it was AOC replacing him, mm -hmm. right? Old school, you know, regular New York liberal replaced by more radical whatever she is. Yeah. And you saw it earlier maybe with the with the Tea Party when I guess back in like 20... 2011, 2012, literally the Speaker of the House, mm -hmm. Eric Cantor, got taken out. Mm -hmm. And why did he get taken out? He got taken out because of that mentality. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm here. I can fundraise. Great. I'll be good. He wasn't listening to what the people were saying because he was so stuck in that mentality, 
sitting in his bubble in Washington, D.C. that he never bothered. I think, wasn't he literally like a Virginia guy? Or he was like pretty close to D.C., like Kentucky or Virginia, like somewhere right in there. Mm-hmm. Like literally never went home to his district. And so then people said, well, fuck you. <laughs> and they voted him out of office and no one expected it. But it's because of being stuck in his world and because like, oh, I'm the fucking speaker of the house. Like, how do I get to the next level? How do I become the head of Senate? Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Yeah. How many, I, I don't know the answer to this. How many representatives are there? Hundreds. I don't in, know the, in Congress? Yes. There's 432, I believe. It's okay. like 432, right. 434 right now. Uh, so the reason I bring that up is just, I love this to bring up AOC. Yeah. She's one of 435, but it's just fascinating both sides how this one person is just the one that just people lose their minds over one way or the other. And listen, I don't know everything about her and whatever, but I just I just think that that goes back to just kind of like the gospel of one person. It's just like she turned like into this cult figure. And I I know there are certain things like she has a cool that's an amazing story. Like it's different than the person that's been in Congress yes. for fifty years—that's important. That's—I yeah. think it's a very important thing, and it's not this this old white dude that's been there for fifty years. Yep. I think that's very important. We need more diverse people, but I think it's just my—it goes back to like any one person. It's just like she's right about everything. People that are just sure there are things she brings that are important, but there are definitely things from when I've talked to people. It's like she doesn't know what she's doing, and I think it's just important for any specific person going back to like. Don't treat everything they say as right. Yeah. And, and, but it's just fascinating in the sense of like, you know, my parents are definitely more conservative. I figured that out after college and I was like, oh, you only watch Fox News 10 hours a day. <laughs> and it's just like watching Fox News, it's just like the tone changes like AOC. is like they're yeah. one person. Like, ah! People just freak <laughs> out like that. And it's just like, there's yeah. 400 other people. Yeah. Let's see the third Congress woman in like she Tennessee. Sells. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's a fascinating thing of just people of like, how they can just fall into the, their their tribe. It's like the AOC tribe is a thing where it's like, yeah, she is what she is. She's a congresswoman in Queens. There's one person. Move on with my life. It's like there are values there, but this like everything she does, people are just like holding on to a breath. It's fascinating. I think it is very fascinating that both sides see the the potential of like this is our star person. And then on the other side, it's like this is the person that everything we're not. Yeah. It's fa- it's just a very fascinating like how it blossomed. AOC understands the most important currency in the world, attention. Yeah, she understands it, and it's not just her. It's a, Trump, a, the, Trump was that of course. Yeah, exactly. Trump. I mean, right. Trump is the yeah. quintessential example. I heard a story about him from the grapevine, and I don't know if it's true, mm-hmm. but I believe it. Mm-hmm. Like it, and it's not a big deal. It's not like a fact story. It's just like what it is. But. He apparently had a few people over December 2014 okay. to his place, like for a, get like a dinner or something. And so a couple of the guys get him, you know, they're 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 in like the foyer talking or whatever, and they're like, "All right, fuck it, we'll ask him." And they're like, "No, you're you're not really gonna run for president, are you?" And allegedly, what he said to him, dead ass, was, "Oh, I'm gonna run for president. I know the media better than they know themselves." I'm going to suck all the oxygen out of the room and I'm going to win. And I think about that because I heard that story very early on. I heard that in like October, November, 2015. I was like, whoa. And that's what he did. 
Yeah. You know, so it does support like what he ended up doing. Whether or not he said that or not, that's what he did. Mm -hmm. And so he got, they did math on it, but he got more free press just from being entertaining on TV that just drove him into people's homes. I mean, like, I, I was all about it. I mean, I thought he was fucking, I still think he's fucking hilarious. Mm -hmm. But like that also then morphed my decision making. Like, oh yeah, I, that's the guy who just says it like it is. Like, I guess I got to vote for him or whatever. Right. And that's that's how we respond. It doesn't make sure. us smart or dumb. It's just what's natural. Like we yeah. see it in the background. Like, oh, that looks like a good show. Yeah. You know? And so AOC, regardless of her beliefs, regardless of Trump's beliefs, she does a lot of the same things and she does it very effectively on social media. Mm -hmm. And I, did you hear after the election day in November about like the internal call with the DNC and all the no. Congress people? Oh my God. So a lot of Democratic congressmen and women were screaming at the DNC because they, they won their elections by very tight margins where right. that's not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And they were yelling about how they've gone so extreme and like, this is, this is fucking crazy. This defund the police shit. Like basically like everything IOC says is a fucking problem. We need to get rid of that. And there was one guy, I believe it was representative Hakeem Jeffries, forget what state he's from, but he asked the question, he said, do we want to be internet celebrities or do we want to get back to legislating? Mm -hmm. And my whole thing is, and I haven't checked it. I need to go check his stuff. But you can't tell me that on whatever his social channels are, in all likelihood, he's probably parroting or has parroted a lot of this stuff. Now, maybe it's his team doing it and he didn't believe in any of it, but mm -hmm. he's still participating in it. And so he's asking that question, but you can't deny the fact that that's where the world is. So it's not about being an internet celebrity. It's about getting attention. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to legislate, get attention on yourself. And that is the second level to the problem though. Yeah. Because the attention, what's the Pareto law, the 80-20 law? The attention is where the highest 20%, in this case, the loudest 20% gets 80% of the attention. Mm -hmm. And the loudest 20% is most likely to not literally just be the loudest by vocal cord decibels, but by the loudest of how extreme the opinions are mm -hmm. or how extreme the statements are on their level. Like that's something with Trump, like his statement, forget his policies, his statements were so bombastic from day one yeah. that it's like everyone had to listen to that, right? Whether it, you hated it or loved it. It's just like a scientific... Uh, I don't want to say scientific as a non-scientist, but it's just in the sense of if there's a normal behavior and something's different, you're going to look to that. And I, mm. I, it's funny. I actually, a few months ago, I, there's like this two hour clip of how Trump from when he, like what the election looked like. It was very good. I'll send it to you, but it's just yeah. kind of like step by step of like him announcing it to all the debates. And I remember, you know, that was 2015 when it was like serious and it was like, oh, Trump's a joke candidate. And I wasn't paying that much like serious attention. I was like, all right, him versus Clinton. All right, this is getting ridiculous. There's no yeah. shot. And I was like, all right, let me watch the debate. And I just remember he was just so, I've never seen anything like it. Just like the way he, like, he was treating it as like a joke. It was just- like, It was savage. It was crazy. It was, just, it was just fascinating. I've just never seen anything like that. Whether you agree with it or not, it was just like, she she will, she is the politician. She'll, what, what we've we're seen- We're gonna, we're gonna fight for justice. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but it's just like, any side of the party, even it's just, you know, if you're like, this guy's a better candidate, but it's like, he's losing to this guy that just gives this guy a funny nickname. Even if you're a better candidate, you're doing all the right things. It's just like, damn, that's what's working. There was a quote in a political article, in a Politico article, I will never forget. Mm -hmm. It was, so coming into that primary season, Jeb Bush was roughly like the favorite, right. which is hilarious to think about now. Mm -hmm. And Jeb Bush 
you want to talk about having no charisma. No offense, man. Right. I mean, that guy, that guy, a nursing home's falling asleep in like a second and a kid's class is falling asleep in a second. So both extremes, like he doesn't work. But when he, when his campaign folded up, like embarrassingly after South Carolina in the primary season, Politico did a whole expose on what went wrong in the campaign, getting sources inside the campaign, outside the campaign, doing this whole article on it. And I'll never forget somebody high up in his campaign at the end of the article, like to close off the article, said, you know, Trump did this low energy Jeb thing. And it wasn't even like rhyming, but it just, it, it was memorable. Mm-hmm. He tagged Jeb as that. And that's not what, that's not how we know Jeb. I mean, the guy's a machine in their eyes, but in the public, they're seeing this bumbling guy talking and he seems like his eyes are half shut. So it's stuck. Mm-hmm. And he goes, that nickname literally killed us Mm -hmm. and it came from a guy who rode a fucking escalator down to his campaign announcement and that was the end of the article and that i remember looking reading that article and looking up and going oh my god it is all about how you package it all about how you own it and package it it goes back to like i guarantee you that was probably a twitter headline someone that's not even following the election it's just trump calls Jeb Bush this. It's just like, well, that's the headline. People don't want to take that next level. They're just reading the headlines. It's like, Jeb Bush is this. Not going to fact check, not look at anything else, but the headline says Donald Trump told me this. That's what he is. Damn. Not a, not a president I want based off that headline. Yeah. Is it fair to him? Probably not, but it's just like that's... It's, it's fascinating. Just like that's just another example of people, how quick headlines are made and assumptions are made off those headlines. And we choose, we still have an archaic two-party system where people, in all likelihood, are going to vote in one line or the other line. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And think about, like, life and how many things have to happen. And we should talk about that. I love your perspective on this stuff, so we'll switch up to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But all these decisions we have to make every day and all these struggles at different points in our lives and our responsibilities, our families, our friends, our, our jobs, whatever it is, when the fuck do you have time to even know the name of whoever your assemblyman to the council of whatever office it is in the borough of wherever you live, what what their name is, right? let alone what their party is or what they stand for or what they're trying to do. You don't. And yet we go into these elections where everyone's like, get out the vote. And I'll admit it too. I've gone in there before and voted and I haven't done this the last couple of times. I literally like just don't vote for positions I've never heard of or people I haven't heard of. Right. But at the when I first was voting, when I was like, I guess my first election was when I was like 19 or 20 or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I went in and voted and then I walked out and I'm like, who the fuck are any of the people I just, like, I knew that the top, the top two positions there was very sure. aware, right? Who was anyone else? And yet we're just trained to say, you're on this team or that team. Yeah. And you got to make, you got to vote, make all the decisions. Yep. How you can never expect people to have the time of day. They they already gotta they already gotta conquer enough things in their day. You can never expect them to be like, you know, I think I'll study my assemblyman positions tonight. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy expectation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that it's kind of at the end of the day, those people probably are gonna impact your direct life a little bit more than the person at the top of the top of the ballot. That's the crazy thing. It's like wherever you are locally, that's what matters. And I think it's just something to, yeah, our days. And it's just like a perspective. Look at us now. We're 27, 28. I, I had a discussion with my parents. 
talk about politics or something. It's like, Michael, your priority is going to change. If you're married, you have kids, totally different perspective. Yeah. You're not going to care about this trending topic when you have a kid. It's just such a different, like, I can't even imagine, like, different points in my lives. Like, something even four years ago isn't as important to me now. My values are going to constantly change. I hope I'm not the same person the rest of my life. That's just, to me, a sign of no growth. You want to learn more perspectives, understand more things, grow, be curious. And it's just something of like understanding. I think that's what frustrates me of like, how can someone vote like that? Or how can someone think like that? It's like, hmm, they aren't the same person as you. Different age, different experiences in life. How can you expect someone that grew up differently than you to think the same? Like someone in the rural part of a farm is going to think different than someone in downtown Philly. That's just their priorities, their day-to-days there's different things. Do you think someone from Philly is going to give a fuck about farming legislation? No. Do you think the farmer will? Yes. So it's just like understanding like how can you, you know, choose this over that? And it's like at the end of the day, people, that's what I love. You have the freedom to vote. It's your vote. That's like the one thing, corrupt or not. I'm sure there's corruption and stuff going on, but like that's something, doesn't matter how rich or poor you are, that's the one thing everyone has the opportunity to do. Besides some criminals, and there's issues with that as well. But it's just something that's like the one thing you can exercise, like whatever you think. You can vote selfishly. I want the best for me, and there's nothing wrong with that. Or for the betterment of people. It's just like you can decide that, and you shouldn't punish someone based off of their decision. Mike, I agree with everything you just said. And we we could go down the whole tangent of what a vote counts for, and we've talked about it a little bit. But it's you're hitting on something or you hit on something towards the beginning of that that's actually way bigger than what a vote is or what it means. And you said, I want to be curious about things. And you kind of hit this earlier too. I just don't know if you use those words. And every time I hear someone say this, it perks me up because we have lost that in society. We have lost this curiosity and this sense of asking questions and trying to dig deeper. And we talked about it earlier with empathy and understanding another person's point of view. But we, I think it's all related because here's what I mean by that. When we look at our lives now and how much, how many resources we have in modern times and things we have access to and, and therefore just total relaxation that we can divert to Mm -hmm. we get comfortable and part of getting comfortable is then also getting very comfortable in what you think and therefore how you feel and then what you then project to the world by telling other people and defining yourself based on whatever it is you think right now and in that whole answer like you even talk about your parents saying you're going to change and no you're definitely going to think this at some point that's even closed-minded because they're saying like, yes, your mind's going to change on some stuff, which they're right about, mm-hmm. but they're already setting, and I'm not ripping your parents. Everyone does this. They're already setting the expectations of, hey, you're probably going to think this when you get to that age as if your experience and your worldview and understanding is definitely going to match the box of what theirs did. Mm-hmm. And this is what we do to people. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about you is the fact, and I've, I think I already said this, but the fact that you are the guy who asks questions and doesn't define anything. And look, you're in your 20s. 
you're obviously having a lot of success now. It wasn't always that way. Early on, you really had to grind and you had a job out of college that you hated. But you've managed to keep that sense of curiosity the whole time and understanding that, like, I don't know what I don't know. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Because I even struggle with it sometimes in the sense that it's like, well, should I just certainly stand for things and then go from there? Or should I just say, like, oh, I'm going to change my mind all the time? Yeah, I think it's just, I have an irrational confidence in myself. Mm. Even when things aren't going right, I think I'm always going to figure it out. And I think that comes from my dad. It's really just, uh, it starts with him in terms of you know, his job is a very unique one of um, insurance for um, like the hurricane industry. So it's a very unique mm -hmm. and some years it's great, some years it isn't. And it's just, I've just seen from him, you know, when times we're struggling, it's just, he's the type of person that's never freaking out or like, woe is me. It's just like, I'm going to figure out whatever it takes. I, he, there's been times where he's like, had to be an Uber driver just to make money. It's just like to see him just not complain about that. For me, you know, my situation of just not really having the money starting off, just I'm going to figure out no matter what I am. And it's just no matter what the situation is, like, I trust myself in anything in the sense of I don't know everything. I'm going to network. I'm going to utilize. Things will work out because I will make sure it happens. That's just that irrational confidence in anything. Even if I'm in a room, I think like I know what I'm talking about, even if I don't. It's just it, it just for me, it just I will figure out situations like things will work out because I will find the weirdest way. It, like the, the routine might not work for someone else. I, and for me, I'll just do whatever it takes to just be successful and it's just figuring it out for myself and you were saying kind of the point of like your parents that in four years your mind's going to change i think there's so much for people our age it's just uh who you are you're finding yourself out it's just like the confidence thing of who am i oh by 26 mm. i should be married by 30 i should have a house and people do that people are like i gotta measure myself versus the person next to me i don't do that at all i'm happy for you good for you that is your life I will never compare myself. It, no, I, I want to change that because I, I always am comparing myself in the sense of I think it's important to observe what's going on around you. Like, yeah, I'm not going to wear clothes because everyone else is like, yeah, yeah. there's a line of like yeah. crazy. Like you got you got to do a, the bare minimum there. But I, I think, you know, I live my life my way. And it's just for me, it's so peaceful to know that of like I'm confident in the things I like, the people I surround myself with, the values I have. While I know that I'm always learning and growing, but I'm just confident like that's what I am. And you're learning and growing through constantly putting yourself in new situations so that the things you like and the people you're around can change. Yes. Like I just know I will never have a routine. I, mm. I hope not. Like it's that scares me. That scares me of like the day of like every day is the same thing. I talk to the same people. I do the same thing. That's like... I'll get like I my, my run. Sometimes I'm doing the same path so many times. Like, you know what? Let me just do something different. Cause it's just, I need something different. I need a different experience. Cause I look at it not just of the run. Oh, you know what? For running, new path. I just discover a new part of the city. Something like that. That's the way I think. It's like this change, what's the positives of the change? Instead of just doing back and forth, the same thing, go to the same restaurant, back and forth. Yeah. It's just, it, it's so rewarding. And there's always, like even though it's irrational confidence, I still get nervous as shit. I get nervous as shit talking to you right now. At first, it's like, oh, it's my friend on the podcast, but I'm still like, 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 how are people going to perceive this? Like, what does it mean? And then it's just talking. You just talk, and it's so many of these experiences you look back on, you're like, that's what I was freaking out yeah. about. Are you kidding me? And it's just so rewarding. I'll give you 
you know, I had a great time at Bucknell and I had a lot of great experiences, met a lot of great people. And I think for me, if you asked me what my favorite experience was out of college, I would give you something completely different than now. And I think for me now, um, when I was in the student calling group, there is this, um, you know, a girl there that asked me if I wanted to accompany her for the, the black student union fashion show. And in the moment, kind of what my mindset was, I'm like, I said, yes, but I was like, oh, do I want to do this in the sense of like, I was just like, we have fraternity parties. I just want to do that routine. It's like, mm. I, 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 I was like, do I want to do something different than like, we got a party. It's like, that's what I want to do. And then I'm thinking that's such a stupid mindset. Like there'll mm. always be parties. It's such a unique thing. So I remember, you know, it was something like a lot of people at this fashion show, a lot of them were in the student calling group. And that for me, was a very interesting experience of, you know, Bucknell, you look at the statistics, it's a very white school like that. Mm -hmm. It's very, but for me, the student calling group was a lot of people, different backgrounds and, you know, opportunities at Bucknell that it, it gave different perspectives. And it was just a very, the, the, Bucknell didn't have maybe the biggest melting pot, but the student calling group really did. And yeah. I remember going to uh, the first like dress rehearsal and it was a lot of people I knew. But it was the first time I felt like the outsider was like, I'm stepping into something that you know, I'm the only white guy here. Like, it was just like, whoa, this is, I don't even say uncomfortable. It's like, oh, it's it, okay. It, like in, in that way, it's uncomfortable. The, right. the definition of uncomfortable is being, and people are going to call me out because they're going to look up the Merriam-Webster's dictionary, but let's just call it high level. Yeah. It's being or being in a place or in the act of something that you do not normally do. And feeling a certain way about it. Yeah. And it's okay to say that about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, yeah. And it was just the type of thing like within, it was just, obviously it was a great time. I had so much fun. Everyone's so nice. And like, of course, and it's just, I'm going to remember that experience so much more because it's just something so different. And what was my reasoning for not doing it? Because it wasn't what I was already doing. That's such a stupid reasoning. You asked me to be on this podcast and I'm like, back of my, my head there's still that like oh i don't want to like, go two hours out of my way like my schedule is do these things on the weekend this is different i don't go to someone's house to do a podcast yeah and you know what i'm gonna look back like this is an amazing experience yeah. and i think it's just like those little things you start to do more and more it's just that's the part of life it's like that's the addiction it's like this is a cool unique thing what's the next thing and i just learned from that and it's just it's just i just know i control this so it's never, it's always going to continue. This is never going to stop because that's me deciding not to. Unless I like some act of God prevents me from doing things, I will continuously put myself in these unique situations and learn from other people. And that's just an exciting thing for me. I'm never going to be the most rich, successful person in life. It's like, there's no point in chasing that. I'm happy with what I got. I'm very lucky. I've got my health, most important, I've got my family. I have an incredible group of friends. And it's just like that network there just leads to just all these unique experiences. Me talking to you, it's gonna be a whole different experience than another friend, mm -hmm. another opportunity. What kind of what kind of night, what kind of journey do I want? Experience. I can like mix and match. Like I'm very lucky with that. And it's just so fun. It's just finding yourself and being like comfortable trying new things out is just such a rewarding thing. And I think it's just something I just encourage anyone to do. And extrapolating on that, that's one example you gave from college. Mm -hmm. But you've 
I mean, you moved far away to go to college. You went to a very different milieu. You went from hot weather to the middle of fucking nowhere oh, up in God. the cold mountains. Well, right. Yeah. And you, there's all these little things that added yeah. up and you got used to not being used to shit. Yeah. And so then you come That's... out of college and you lived in DC, you lived in New York, like you've been around, you moved companies. And, and one thing I really respected is you could make a decision. Yeah. You could decide like, nope, this isn't right. Okay, yeah. I, I've figured that out. Now what do I do? Not get stuck. Yeah. Not be in that situation where you're like rationalizing everything. Mm -hmm. And you have student debt. Like you're you're not somebody who has it all made or anything like that. Like you don't have the world by the balls. You got the same problems everyone else does, mm -hmm. but you found a way to just kind of keep that perspective. And and when I started this whole thing with like your curiosity, that's how you attack the opportunities put in front of you in life. And I, I love talking to people like you about that because it's something that we all miss out on. Mm -hmm. Like I look at my own experience. And then I, and you talked about like comparison and having a healthy dose of it. When we say like comparison culture is bad, yes, it is. But there's still a level to which you can have a healthy comparison to other people. And like I stack myself up against you or I would, and I would realize like, damn, like the last couple of years, I'm, I'm really falling short. Like Michael makes moves. He goes and does things. He figures out something and then goes to the next thing based on the data and, and feeling he got. And I'm sitting here finding a way to make an excuse for everything I do and saying, well, now's not the time or, well, now's not whatever. And it all comes back to this bullshit preconceived notion of the plan, mm -hmm. this life plan. You do this, then you do that. You go here, then you go there. You, you go to a good college, you get good grades, you come out, you start with this job, you work like a dog for two, three years, mm -hmm. and you move forward, and then you do this, and then by age 30, you have the family and two young kids, and then by this age, you're on the golf course on Saturday morning with the boys. It is a hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. It is a bullshit sale. It is trying to make you... It is trying to prepare you to be happy and comfortable in something that has nothing to do with what you actually want in life. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that... I had to get comfortable with that was new before I did this podcast in like the two years leading up to it was doing things on camera and getting used to like the concept of con content and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up having to stop that publicly because of where I worked, which was like a whole thing. Mm -hmm. But I have a couple videos that I never got to release because of that, that I, when I'm having my moments where I'm like doubting stuff or like frustrated or burnout or whatever, I go back and watch them because it's me talking mm -hmm. and I am, I am saying, I am on record saying these things out loud. And one of them is from February 8th, 2019. It was from a meeting with, with my LLC and we were recording the whole thing. And I talked about how, you know, having X amount of money in a very backwards place that makes you feel a way that you don't want to feel it may make other people feel great, but it doesn't make you feel that way. This is how it turns to misery mm -hmm. and it hits me every time because it's only like 40 seconds and I just, for whatever reason, I really nailed it. And the second video, which was from like April 12th, 2019, so like two months later or whatever, same era of my life. It's like three minutes long and I talk about that plan and I lay out being an entrepreneur in your mid-20s mm -hmm. and having a vision that's long-term and knowing that like, once you commit to something like that, and it doesn't just have to be being an entrepreneur, it, it has to do with like how you make career decisions and where you want to go. It's different for everyone. But once you make a decision to really 
dedicate yourself to something based on like, hey, I know I like this or I know I love this and I can fucking do this. You are the only person that can control your destiny there and more importantly, control what you know you think about it. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is the people who are around you who may want genuinely the best for you, your family, your friends, they may not understand what you're doing. Mm -hmm. They may not have a concept of it. They may think what you're doing is stupid. They may think that that's not how it goes and it all comes back to the fact that it is not a part of the plan. That's how close-mindedness happens. And this is what I didn't realize when I was making that statement on that video. You get into this cycle of just waiting for the thing that's next, like what I talked about, and then suddenly you never make a decision for what actually can be next. Mm -hmm. You never end up finding your passions. You never end up changing your opinions. And you, you get stuck into this bullshit thing that society tells you is what you're supposed to do. And at some point, and I haven't been older, so I can't tell you this, but at some point, it seems like people wake up, whether they be 40 or 50, and now they got responsibilities, they got kids, they got, they got kids going to college, whatever, and they can't wake up. They can't be like, oh shit, I should have done that, mm-hmm. or I should have gone after this. Instead, they got to say, fuck, yeah. now I am stuck. Mm-hmm. And so... Watching people in their 20s, and that's, you know, I'm having people of all different ages on this podcast, but bringing in guys like you who are in your 20s and have an understanding of this and navigating it gives me the reassurance to know that even if I'm doing something here that might be really fucking stupid, starting a podcast, which there's a million fucking podcasts out there, and trying to get my name out there and get people's attention as if I deserve it, like, it might be dumb. But the idea that, like, if I'm going to go after it, now's the time, and now's the time to double down, and it's because I got to a point where I realized, hey, I would much rather do this than go to a desk and sit in a cubicle and do something that I hated every day, even if I had the golden goose of getting a fucking salary out of it, and be happy, and Mm -hmm. be able to say I did, then look back and say, hey, I got stuck and I let myself get stuck. And that's the best feeling ever. Don't you realize that? It's just everything else will figure itself out. You're like, I know what I want. And here's the thing. Let's use you, this podcast. I guarantee if you posted something, you're like, hey, I'm going to quit my job, create a podcast. You're going to get like, go, Julian. Like, mm-hmm. that's awesome. People support you. And then others like, what the fuck's this problem? Like, you just, mm-hmm. you just ruined everything for that. That happened. That happened. Sure. But then on the flip side, like, that's just like a normal, like, hey, good for you. Like, people just want to do that. And then on the flip side, people are projecting of, like, this is not the way I would do it, so don't do that. That's what people do. But then the way you did this, which was awesome, because it was like, what's Julian up to? Then all of a sudden, it's boom, I'm doing a podcast. I'm not just going to talk about it. Here are 10 I just dropped right now. It's like, all right. You don't just have the people that were just going to support you no matter what. You had those people who are like, I'm good. I, I'm, I want you. I'm happy for you, but I want to wait and see how this goes. Yeah. And it's like, you just proved to me, like, you're serious. This is your commitment. You're doing it. And it's just something that's just like, once you get it, you, it's just like, you're in control. You control everything. There's one book, kills me. I'm awful with like remembering names. It's something like the 12 things mentally strong people don't do. And 13. I remember, 13, yeah. And it was um, like one one thing that just always to my, like just changed my head. It's just kind of like how you react to things. You can't make me mad. You can say something, like, oh, that guy made me mad. No, you, I hate to be like cliche and like, I don't believe in that shit, but it's like, no, I it's decide, good. I decide to be mad based off what you said. You could say anything in the world, like, fuck my mom. It's like, I'm deciding to get mad from that. And it's just like anything like that. I choose to react. No one's making me do anything unless you're 
holding me against my will. It's just like that's I control everything. And once you figure that out, it's such an exciting feeling. It's like you want to do more. And it's it's just it goes back to just always learning, always being curious. There's so much out there. And and there's I fall in my routines also. I'm in New York City. So much diverse food in the world and sometimes I'll go to Kava like a, a casual food place. Like it's just like I I'm sometimes a hypocrite. And it's okay. I realize that. I'm I'm aware of that. Like I'm not perfect. Like but there's still so much to learn and it's just knowing that once you have this mindset of like doing anything and you're doing it, it's it's just contagious. You want to keep doing it. Like you tell someone, I'll use marathon versus a podcast. Someone's like, run a marathon. They would have no idea what to do. Mm. Let's start. It's an eight, I'll give you an 18 week plan. This week you do these mile miles running. It's like the, the doing a marathon isn't just doing the marathon. It's that progression, the slow build. One thing leads to another. This thing, because you did that, makes it easier. Podcast, you have to buy all the equipment. You have to plan. You have to do all these things. One thing leads to the next. And just for you, you're gradually, you're doing the podcast, but it took all these little steps. I think it's just for people's ideas and plans. It's not just like do this and then you're there. It's the progression and people fall apart in that period or they're not sure what to do. Yeah. There is something related between mental toughness Mm -hmm. and comfort inversely related Mm -hmm. i guess is that right yeah like the opposites that's what i mean and i find that people who have mental toughness are far more likely literally like guaranteed to be people who are into consistency into the long-term view into adjusting their opinions as factors change Mm -hmm. and into getting after things that they're passionate about Mm -hmm. because there's something in them that's it's like a switch you you turn on and you say hey like i'm gonna go to work today and this this is what i'm about and it might be like you have a job somewhere like Mm -hmm. you do it might be you're going after an entrepreneurial pursuit have you ever read the the book war of art by pressfield Phenomenal. Yeah. It takes like two hours to read. And he actually talks about this and he's he's a writer by trade, obviously. And he talked about how he turned his life around to become this great author and, and be someone famous in, in that realm. And he realized when he was younger, like he wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance, which became a movie like that one. He wrote all kinds of books. But he realized that he was wasting so much time worrying about what he was going to do when he used his time that he had no time. Mm -hmm. And so he literally labeled it and called it resistance. And he talks about resistance like an enemy. And so when he started doing that, he created a discipline with it. He created that mental toughness. He then created that consistency to say the resistance sets in every day at 6 a.m. when I go to start to write and then I don't want to. And I know that my best times to think about writing are between 6 a.m. and 3 p.m., not after, right? Mm -hmm. So I need to figure out how I'm going to sit down and be able to be locked in during that time. And once he did that, it started rolling out. 
there was clear you used the word progression there was there was a way for him to tangibly measure where his where he was getting with his work and mm-hmm. how it was then going to turn from this book to the next book to this sale to that level sale and like it's not about making things transactional and boxing in your whole life and saying like at this time I will do that thing and right. at that time but there is still a level of like organization that you need to be able to whether it's writing shit down or assuring yourself getting yourself in the zone every day finding that thing that that one thing like Kobe talked about it shortly before he died with Patrick mm-hmm. Bet David he he likened it to Maximus Desmus Meridius in the Gladiator he said Maximus Desmus Meridius he looks down in that dirt he feels the dirt <laughs> and he goes I game on yeah and that's what kobe had his own moment where he felt the dirt and he could just kind of turn it on and no matter what you do whether you're in sales whether you're kobe fucking bryant whether you know you're you're a writer or a producer or whatever right everyone's got to find their thing where they mentally feel that dirt and then become that person and become that professional yeah and be able to actually see it translate into things and again bringing it back to you I really like how you don't view yourself as like, this is my reality. This is the only place I'm going to be. You know what? I'm going to make a future out of this. I'm building my 401k here. I love Stella. And I'm not telling you to talk against Stella. You, you, you do. I mean, it, it's pretty clear you love this company. But you look at it like, hey, I don't know what's next. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'm, I'm making progress off of the last place I was. But I'm looking at this like, well, how much progress am I now making over the next month mm-hmm. or next two months or three months? And then what can I do from there? And you're not closing the door on your future. In your 20s, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful trait to have. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to go to that other point about people boxing them in with these schedules yes. and stuff. And I think that is such a – it scares me. Like that's just – it's a lot, it goes back to like people, they want to feel good about themselves. It's just a confidence thing. It's like, oh – if I want to do this diet, I do these 10 things, eat this, sleep at this time, I do X, Y, Z, yay, I did everything the way I'm supposed to. It's like, that's so stressful because it's like, if you don't do these 10 things, you're like, my day isn't right. Like, everything will be fine. Like, I'm someone, I eat pretty healthy, but I'm not like one of these like, oh, I love my Skittles. I love a burger and I eat pizza. plenty of pizza. Yeah. I love, like, it's just like, oh, you're a runner. It's like, you should eat healthy. It's like, yeah, I'll have a cheat day. Like, I don't think about like, oh, Sundays are my cheat day. It's like, I'll cheat day. I'll I'll eat whatever I like. I don't. I have a, I have a structure like certain meals. I'll have certain meals, but I know there's flexibility because life isn't just like on. I'm planning on Sundays. Like Thursday has to be this dinner. If I don't do, but also I understand based on my situation. I don't have a family. I can I have that flexibility. I understand that it's a little different. If I'm a father, I have three kids. Like no, you know what? I'm just gonna change up the meal. Like I that can't happen. So I understand there are certain. And you know that. Yeah, I have the luxury now. Like. Believe me, it's going to be fascinating. Like, you know, the priority for me is myself now. And there will hopefully be a time where it's not me. And that's going to be something it's like, I guess everyone says it's, you don't know until it actually happens. But for now, it's the whole thing of like, live it while I can, whatever. This is the most freedom I'll ever have. The most, the time, time is the thing. Time is the thing. It's just like, you asked me earlier, it's just kind of, Oh, I don't drink coffee or tea. Like, how do I wake up? It's like I just wake up. I just have I to. Love I love that. Just, I just gotta do it. Also, that was a direct quote. Yeah. yeah. I I just I just hate coffee. I don't like the taste. It's just I just wake up and then like, people are like, "How do you do that?" <laughs> no, people could. You just do it. I think that's like even it's such a dumb thing to like. 
hold up on. Like, I, I don't know. Well, I, you take acid every morning, so that's a little bit cheating. We don't drug test stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. Um, but uh, no, but I think, man, yeah, it's just, it's just like, being comfortable with yourself is just such a, it's exciting and fun. It, it, it's just, you know, you're, every day is different. Like, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the thing I did last year, the goal, I did... Every day, I before I went to bed, I, I wrote like notes of like things that happened that day, and then it was the coolest thing ever to just mm. go through the notes of every day what happened. First off, it's just like oh, is that, that kind of like a diary, like a little much. bit? Yeah, in a way. Yeah, post. No, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, and and the cool thing was, you know, the there were highlights for sure. It's like I had a friend's like Zach's wedding, or going to like my first boxing match. Like just these very unique things. Yeah, those are great. Everyone has those peak things. And it was also important, like, there were days that were shitty. It's like, I felt shitty. Nothing happened. It's okay to understand that. Everyone has that, too. But then, for me, it's those middle days. The mundane. The routine. Nah. I, I found, like, a fun fact that day. Or, like, that guy had a pig in Tompkins Square Park. And that's a thing in New York. But it's just, like, little thing. Like, you know what? That little thing happened today. That person, like, waved at me. Like, you know, the little things that mean nothing. They're not going to change your trajectory in life. It's like, you know what? That made my day a little bit better. It was like the appreciation of those little things in life. It's, the grat it's gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just being very fortunate of what you have. I think that's such an important thing of that. I'm, I'm, I don't know. It really starts. I'm very thankful for my parents of just instilling. Like they never told me to do anything. And I think I, I love my parents to death. And I think my dad's the biggest role model. I love my mom too. Uh, but obviously, but I think the the thing I look at him for two things is, the way he just treated everyone didn't matter. I went to a, a, a well-off private school, but and I just remember the thing is he'd always pick us up after running practice, have like a 20-minute conversation with the security guard every day. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what your position, your pay, anything like that. Treats everyone the same. And it's genuine. Yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no like ulterior I'm, not, I'm getting a participation trophy. Look at me. I'm talking no. with the security guard. Absolutely not. Like, it, it, yeah, that that's always yeah. the thing that I'm, I'm very lucky that I've been in networks of people that are very well off that the average person doesn't experience. Mm -hmm. I've been in some incredible, it's just like being around, even just the conversations to know it's like, oh, this person's dad is the C-level at this big company. Just even the privilege of like being in that conversation, not going to impact you, but just to even know about that, something that not everyone gets. And it's just, uh, I don't know. It, it's just really to just understand what's going on around you and just realizing how fortunate I am. But like how to utilize this stuff. The, it's, I don't know. It, it's just kind of like you, you want all these different perspectives. Like, sure, I've had those opportunities. The richest of the rich, there's probably a three degree separation. I can figure it out. Yeah. That's just how it is. And I can go the other way. I've been, pe I've been in experiences. Like when I first lived in New York, I was in Sunset Park, New York. And it, it, that was like, where's that? It's deep, deep Brooklyn, like by yeah. Bay Ridge. But it's just the type Actually, of thing. I've never heard of that. See, that's the thing. It's just like, I'm a, like people from the New York, Jersey area don't even know where that is. It's only seven miles away from Manhattan. And it's like, that's I mean, like, that's like a fucking, that, that's, that's like six hours out of Manhattan. Well, here's the thing. I'm the idiot that was like, everyone's like, why are you going to Sunset Park? It's like, oh, it's only seven <laughs> miles away. Like it, it's, it's whatever. Like yeah. guys, I'll just take the subway. And then within, within the, my, my day of moving there is chaos. And I loved it. It was just so fucking miserable. Two months in the summer, the guy, it was, uh, you know, remember Rasha? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. so it was someone of his friends, like one of his Serbian buddies had the place. And I remember my parents 
are driving me there. <laughs> We're like deep in like Chinatown of Sunset Park. He's like, Michael, where are we? I'm like, I don't know. And then we park, and within a minute, he's yelling. It's like, you can't park there. It's like 20 cars like honking, and it's like, holy shit. I'm moving to New York. This is the chaos. It's like, let's go. Let's go. Like, that's... You invited in. Yeah. And it was just, you know, those two months, I was just by myself down there. And it was just such a different part of New York that even, like, New Yorkers, my friends in different parts, they are. Like, I'll never go there. It's just Mm. already right there. I'm having a different experience of that New Yorkers that have been here for years have had. Like, this is people. They live down here. It's like, yeah, this isn't ideal. Sure, I'm, like, appreciative of, like, the cool opportunities, but no shit. I want something closer to my friends, my job. But for what it is for those two months, I was like, you know what? I got two months here. It is what it, it's an experience. It's a different part of New York. Like, it was just such a valuable thing, right? A little thing like that. You know, just understanding of, like, I came here not just to have a mundane New York experience. That's half of, like, why do you want to go to New York? Obviously a job, but... New York still, I still offers so much. Like it's just like, oh, New York's dead. I think it's such bullshit because it's what you make of it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. If you just do your job and you go to brunch and a couple bars, like yeah. sure, that's that's you can do that the in any city. Wheel. You can do that in any city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, challenge yourself to different things, different restaurants, different parts of the city, different concerts, like anything like that. Those are so rewarding. You'll meet people. Put yourself in difficult, uncomfortable situations. You will only prosper. You're never gonna fit. What's the worst that happens? Like I, I go. I, uh, I see you go alone to. Th- I mean this. Like pre-COVID, you will go alone to like yeah. a weird concert or like a weird restaurant, and you'll like send me a video of it, and I'm like, yeah, damn, this no. this guy just doesn't give a fuck. Like he's just gonna do it. I was gonna just lead into that because it's like I had this period. I started just like, fuck it. Why not? Because at first it was like, hey, does anyone want to come with me to this thing? It was like, no. Then it was like, oh, man, I don't want to go because no one's with me. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what it was that clicked, but it was like, fuck it. Especially like a, a movie. Like people are like, oh, I will never go to the movies alone. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. It's a movie where you don't talk to anyone. No one's going to be like, hey, look at that guy in the back. <laughs> He's by himself. He's by himself. What a loser. <laughs> You go to a concert, it's like, I want to pause the music to that fuck by himself. Like, <laughs> no yeah, one, yeah, because you can tell that. Yeah, yeah, like, no one cares. And it's just, it, 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 could, it turned into just kind of like me discovering musicians or different things that I liked, and no one wanted to do it. And I'm not going to discredit anyone for not coming with me. That's your choice. You don't, like, sure, whatever. You know who's yelling at you when you do those things? Who? The people who they think you're supposed to compare yourself to them just like they do to you yeah. on social media. Sure. The people who are sitting in those cubicles and hate themselves but just don't want to say it. They just want to take the picture and show that they're in the fancy office. And that must mean they're doing something right. right. The people who, before they do anything, whether it be post on social media or you know text into a group chat or whatever, think about the social repercussions of all that. Yeah. Those are the people yelling out those things. Yeah. And it's very easy to let that into your head and let mm-hmm. it bother you and let it dictate your decisions. But that's how you create this group thinking society where everyone turns into that person mm-hmm. and everyone gets stuck yeah. and everyone comes up with the excuses I talked about earlier where you just say, no, this is why this is okay. Or no, you know what? I'll do that tomorrow. Or you know what? No, I, I can kind of stop whatever I'm doing right now because like, I'll, I'll make sure I do enough of it a week from now or whatever. You create 
these outlets in your head to be able to say you have an out. You create this this mechanism that turns one thing into a habit and it creates this spiral that suddenly you wake up and go, where did the last five years go? Mm -hmm. And the whole time you're doing that, you're sitting behind your keyboard or whatever and and calling out people like you who go out there and actually experience life. And we're in a weird time in the sense that you can't do a lot of that right now. And I know you're still finding a way to do some things, which is pretty amazing. And like your, your mind state mindset and and mental health seems to be great, Mm -hmm. but there's, there's such a level of hypocrisy to the noise. And what I'll say is that it is still recognizing that even it is still very, very difficult to drown it out and ignore it. It is still very, very difficult to rise above it and not worry about what people think. Like I can sit here and, and, and say, I don't. And I will say I am a lot better at that than I used to. Like I, there's a lot of times where I just genuinely don't give a fuck, but there are still times where I, where I might have a few minutes to actually think about it and go, fuck what, what's this person going to think of that? Or what are, what are these people going to say about that? Or like, I don't talk with these guys. What are they saying behind my back? We're human. Yeah. We're going to do that. But over the long haul, not allowing your your decisions to be dictated by that and not allowing yourself to get stuck in that rut and not recognizing that the reality you're in right now is not the one you want. Yeah. That is where the strength rises to the top and the people who understand that are the ones who win in life. Do you do you think for a second I don't know that there are people that follow me. They're like, what the fuck? This guy just posts pizza every day. Yeah. Muted me. No shit. I, would, I fucking I, love your Instagram, I would meet, by the way. Yeah. It's like, I would meet the shit out of that guy too. Yeah. It's, but that's the thing. It's like, I've used social for so long. And yeah, for so long, I was like, I want to take this picture and filter it this way. It's like, then it's just turned as like, my shit is just chaos. I just do what I want. It's just such a like. You made a left turn too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no, like really, like 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 in college, like because a lot of your personality was already in the right spot. But yeah. you said it earlier, like I was social media, Michael. Totally, like yeah. you do the filter picture, do do the whole life, and right. then at some, I don't know when it happened, yeah. but it was years ago, and you just suddenly said, "Nope, not gonna do that anymore." Yeah. Like fuck it, if I want to talk about this, show what favorite music I'm into, or like take yeah. this hilarious video that no one understands what it is, I'm gonna do it. Right? Yeah, it's for me. It's for you. Yeah. It's just fun. It's just like, I, I, I love to, uh, it's like the scrapbook of life. Like my phone has thousands of just dumb pictures of, I could take, I'm going to do this. Like, I'll just show you. I'm just going to take a picture of my foot <laughs> and I'm going to enjoy that. Cause I think just for the cons, I'll look back and on a plane, I'm like, why did I do it? Oh, cause I just did that in the middle of a podcast. Like mm-hmm. so stupid. And it's not, it's and, not, and by the way, it's not like a narcissistic thing either. There are sure, people who sure, like, yeah. know, hey, check out my toenails or like, look at that. You're just like, fuck it. Like, all yeah. right, that's funny. Yeah. Let's I'm, go I'm self-aware it. to that. Like, I know there's stuff I say it's ridiculous. Like there, uh, there's a level of like, okay, what are you saying? But then it's just, it's just, I'm having fun. That's what it is. For me in life, I do some dumb shit because I want to make sure the people, like for me, my, I'm a people person. I want everyone to like me, of course. But also for me, it's... It, it's I, good that you admit that. Too. Yeah, 100%. No, because yeah. I, I truly... But also it like, goes back to like, it's a genuine, like, I want to learn from you. People love talking about themselves. So I'm always, for me, I was always like the kid at the table, like in high school, like just sitting there and just listening to everyone. I was like, oh, I like him because he doesn't say anything. So he lets me talk kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's just, you learn a lot from that. But also just being comfortable with, with yourself and figuring out like what what it is that's important for you and figuring all that stuff out and i just forgot what i said 
This is hard. No, it's no, it's it, it's all good because we're really like <laughs> yeah. we're touching a, a, a million things right now. Yeah, but these are all relatable. They are all applicable. Mm-hmm. And look, I can't talk to a guy who's forty-five yeah. or fifty. Yeah. I like I don't know. Right. I'm I'm not there. Yeah. Right. And and you have inherently different perspectives and different responsibilities at that time. We've we've covered that. But when you're looking at people who are in those decision-making times of their lives where they also have less, fewer responsibilities and they have more freedom to pursue their dreams and go after things, let's be honest. You're looking at the people who are in their late teens into like their early 30s. That is the strike zone. And we are in the middle of that strike zone right now. And there are so many people right now who may even know that or tell themselves that, but forget it and just assume like, hey that opportunity is going to be there i won't worry about it and that's the thing man like you said it earlier at some point in here it's time and time never stops moving Mm -hmm. and you only have the moment in front of you for as long as that moment's there and i heard there was some production that one of my clients did and then the goose tony syracuse got involved with it oh yeah, yeah 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 he's he's unbelievable just amazing amazing guy but he talked about how he's collected hourglasses for years and years and years. Mm. I never heard that before. I never heard like you saying like he had physical that's, that's literally cool. collects them. Yeah. And he talks about and you know he's such a fun loving like total just relaxed but you know in your face kind of North Jersey Italian kind of guy. Yeah. But he talks about these hourglasses and he said the reason that he collects them is because they show him how time moves. Mm. And they show him how limited it is and how much of every moment you get to just live life to the fullest with the people you love and do the things you love is is so fleeting. And that you get this one opportunity, like Eminem has said, like a one shot, one moment, whatever. Like that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And we in life just, we get into these time periods where we're like, "Uh, you know, that'll that'll be there in the next decade. Or like, you know, one day I want to start a company or one day I want to do a podcast. When? Yeah. When? When are you going to do it? And it doesn't mean like, I, I think we also have this participation trophy mentality when it comes to this and it's not even like our fault sometimes we just don't realize it we think about things and we just assume like all right well as long as i just like start it like it'll go no problem that's not how it goes Uh if you're starting a business if you're taking on a job that's way outside of anything you've ever done if you're an entrepreneur if you're going after trying to run a marathon or something like that or, or train for it, whatever it is that's new that you've never experienced before it doesn't go like this Mm mm-hmm and if you're not if if you're listening and not watching, I'm moving my hand perfectly like straight up in in a straight line. It's not like that. Life is like this. It's all around. It's up and down. And and you have these times where it's like, well, this was the dumbest fucking thing ever, or I'm terrible at this, or this is never gonna work. You have those moments. You have that self-doubt. You have those times where you fucking land flat on your face and something doesn't work and you gotta move to the next thing. But in order to actually be in that moment, you have to keep going to get to that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's what people don't want to understand. They just think, like, okay, if I felt like I'm stuck and I wanna go do something new, I'll just go do it. and then like, oh, it'll take care of itself. No. Yeah. It's going to take time. And that time is going to be fleeting, but it's also going to be, it's going to throw everything at you. And how you respond to it and how you make yourself last through all the defeats, that's what's going to put you over the top. And you know what? It's also not guaranteed. For sure. It might not happen. I think that's, uh, people put this vision of like, 
I, I'm struggling right now. If I do this thing, that good thing will cancel this out. This isn't like a math problem. If like you do one good thing, whatever you're struggling with, they cancel each other out. It's a lear it's a continuous learning experience. And I think it's like, even if you have everything right, you know, like I'm motivated, I'm going to take action. I'm not going to just give up the first time. And if it fails repeatedly and then you're like, damn, I thought I did everything right. I'm a failure. It's like, no, that's a learning opportunity. Try something new. It's just continuously being honest and evaluating with yourself. I think it's just, it's a constant feedback loop of yourself. It's just always check, checking yourself where you are now mm. from a week ago, two weeks ago, two weeks from in the future is always going to be changing. It's exciting. It's exciting stuff. And I just look at it for anyone. It's just, there's no right answer. Whatever it is for you is not going to be for me. That's what it, it's just like, we just find these generic themes that will solve all of our problems. You grew up differently than me. I grew up differently from someone else. It's just like all these little factors that aren't accounted for impact how we live and shit like that. And it's constantly growing. People change. It's just, it's just, I think people are just more comfortable just putting labels on everything to feel better about themselves. And it's just not doing that is just, I think so important and just, you know, figuring everything out your way. It's your story. The same society that sells you that bullshit plan and tells you how everything goes is the same one where people publicly now have the platform to yell back out against it and say that's bullshit and then out of the same part of their mouth say that whatever they think and how they now put it is how it needs to be. They create mm -hmm. the same sin from the opposite end. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's in everything. It's in every part of our culture. And it's really funny to me because you say like, I, I think you literally said there, like, it's not one size fits all or whatever. And that that is the fucking truth, man. Just because the way that you outline your day and the way that you went after this one thing doesn't mean that the person going after the same kind of thing is going to outline their day the same way or outline it all. Mm -hmm. we, we have different parts of our brain that some of us have a bigger left part, a bigger right part, a bigger front part, a bigger back part. I forget all the fucking names of the brain, yeah. but you understand what I mean. Yeah. And yet... We go around looking for that one thing, that one quote or that one oh. short video to hang on to and be I like, hate, that's it. I hate that. That has all the answers for me. And unfortunately, it also sells because our attention spans are short. So we're looking for the quick bites. We're looking for the people that just have all the answers. Now, there is a, there is a part of it where you get the inspiration from people who say things and it's like Bruce Lee said, you take the best that makes sense for you and then you discard what doesn't, right? You have to be able to do that and then you also have to be honest with yourself. You have to be like, well, what am I good at? What, yeah. what is possible here? That's the most Impossible is a funny question because you want to say, well, nothing's impossible. Okay, sure. yeah. fine. But what is, what's going to give me the best opportunity? Mm -hmm. Is it this thing or is it that thing or is it that thing? Mm -hmm. And so many people never even get to that point because they get paralyzed in the 20s hamster wheel where they're figuring out the world and then they think, oh, this is just how it's supposed to be. That's what I'm supposed to yeah, do. They're just looking up quotes. They're just like, let yeah. me find these 20 quotes, these 20 inspirational videos. Like, that's me. It's just like, yeah. that's why like, you even said like that Bruce Lee, like, I don't know what you just said. Because I don't live by quotes. Yeah. I don't live by a little short video. Yeah. yeah. When I was a Funny, kid. I, that's, a, that's a little bit hypocritical. I just, that one I think is very broad and yeah. it, in concept. I, I think it's right. But if I just said, oh, that's ha that has all the answers. Right. Then I'm For an sure. idiot. For sure. Yeah. And it's, it's just, you know, 
as a kid, I remember before like a cross country race, I'd watch, I have like one video I'd save. It was just like, Ooh, get me amped up. Like, sure. Yeah. Then that's but, okay. Right. Yeah. But, but it's just, you know, like quotes and stuff like that. Sure. I guess this is like maybe me being hypocritical because it's something that I don't do. I'm not going to say it's wrong, but I also look at it. The reason why I don't do it is because I'm going to read this quote. Oh, cool. I'm fixed. Like that's, I get it. Like, uh, I'm a better person now. Yay! I saw this quote on Tumblr. I am, yeah. I'm, I'm fixed. Like shit, like that. It's just, for me, it's just, I, I, I don't. I think it's kind of keeping level headed. Going back to the news or anything shocking or anything sad. Like I don't think I'll ever get too excited or too down on myself. One way or the other. Like there will be highs in my life, and there will be lows, but it's just like how you respond to all of that like a constant like you know what i expect that but also i i don't know what to expect that's the it's it's you, you could make it scary for you or you can make it ex exciting i try and keep it more of the more positive of like i just again i trust myself whatever the situation is i will figure it out and it's just i don't have the answer yet i don't have what's gonna happen in a year i don't know i don't have the answer yet. i don't have the answer yet and that's okay to say it's okay to say and yeah. it's just like once you know that it's just a good feeling because it's like, I don't know it, but I will get there eventually based off of these behaviors, based off of, you know, a different, a new show I watched. Isn't going to change my life, but that show, different perspective, learn a little bit more, meet someone else that has the same interest. They might know someone just because you watch, like these little, like my brain operates like that also. It's just like this little thing leads to that. And it doesn't make any sense, but it, it when you look back, it all does because you, you, it, it goes back to you. What what do you want? It's not someone else's plan. This isn't what someone's telling you to do. This isn't their timeline. It's you being comfortable of what you want to do and challenging yourself. And it's it's your life. You, you say you say this isn't gonna change my life. I yeah. love that you use that phrase in there. Yeah. Because what does every influencer try to sell you or everyone trying to make it tries to sell you? I'm here to change your life. I'm changing life. I, no, you're not. Yeah. But, and and you know what? That's not even fair to say. Some people genuinely end up doing that. Sure. But genuinely, the people who lead with that and have to tell you they're doing it very rarely are. There are definitely some exceptions. Sure. But they they very rarely are. They're they're in it for the money to be able to make you feel inspired or whatever and sure. and, and trade off of it. Yeah. But in order to have your life changed, you say like it's not one quote or one thing and that's not to then press down and say oh so you shouldn't look at quotes if that's sure. what gets you off or it you shouldn't watch that video that you really like Th that's not the no. point the point is that can't be the one thing i remember like tupac said in his life he said i do, and he was a he was a wild wild guy he was a brilliant guy like my favorite artist of all time and and someone who was just so incredible in a lot of ways, had his flaws, was very open about him, but he put everything at the surface. You always knew where he stood. And he talked about, I'm going to get the exact quote wrong, but he's like, I'm not saying I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee, and this might have even been too far, but he said, but I guarantee you that I'm going to spark some of the minds that do. Yep. And what I liked about that quote a lot when he said it is that he was talking about 
like he literally put a visual on the spark and he said that's what that's all these things are when i say things that make you feel inspired or when i say things that you're like oh my god that's so right or like make you feel a certain way and relate to me and and relate to greater things in this world that's not me suddenly poof you're changed that's me just putting the little seed of the thought in your head mm-hmm. and then your job to go and build on yeah. top of it and then actually get to a point where maybe you do do something that changes the game. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you, when I there was a period of like, this is post-college where I was like, what do I want to do outside of work? And I wrote a couple articles. And like One of them was about going to the movies and stuff by yourselves, mm-hmm. and I published that. And I remember someone I haven't spoken to in years is just like, I really liked your article. Like that's like You're so brave for doing that. I was like, well, thank you, but it's I'm not any special. I'm not doing anything that you couldn't do already. One time, I went to the Church of Scientology in D.C. <laughs> like, come on, yeah, it, it, it was just wait, like wait, the, wait, 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 hold on. I'm not letting you off there. You, you, how do you get in there, dude? So anyone can go. Like, what? Yeah. So what? It what? It hopefully you know the Scientologists don't listen. I want everyone to listen to this podcast, but not the Scientologists, because they, they they're might, gonna come get you. They'll come get me. Is Tom Cruise coming you, after you. You, you know, He's gonna you, shank you in the back. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck you, Tom Cruise. Um, yeah. So it's the type of thing in DC is just like, oh, the one of the original Scientology churches is in DC downtown. You walk there, it's just, it's right in the. It's not like some hidden spot. It's like it's right there in the, like a main street. And then uh, you know, this is me just like bored, like reading about like, well, is it hard? It's like they have like a little drop down appointment slot and it's just like you could just go there it's like you know what why not like this is all right so what happened so no i get there and i remember just the weirdest thing of like walking there and it's just normal fucking people going there like a girl my age wearing like a har- I remember harvard sweatshirt it's like she looked pretty normal normal ass people in there but then <laughs> when i when i get in there i remember it's like oh i got an appointment like to you know Get the experience and, it, and she's like oh yeah sit down i was like shit clearly they have these bookings all day no one comes so it's like whatever so i remember i get taken to another room and the first thing is like all right hey thanks for coming michael like you know watch a video of the history of scientology so it was like this little theater i'm putting by myself just to, just to watch the the was it l ron hubbard that oh, guy God. Yeah. yeah yeah so so it was, uh, it was just uh pretty normal like the scary thing at the beginning was like oh this is like not too crazy and then you know halfway through it he's like it's like a reenactment of the early 1900s and then he's like medicine's not real like oh here we go (laughs) here we go and um yeah i was like jesus christ and it was just uh eye-opening and a sense of like maybe not saying like how can anyone do this because there were things like why did you want to do that I just thought it was interesting. That's how it's just like I I, I, it. I was like, why not? This is such a unique like I was obviously making sure like I'm not gonna die. Like I'm not gonna just do I, there's levels of the stuff I'll do. There's a risk evaluation. I was like, I still am not like a skydiver or anything like that. Still scares me. Maybe one time but I was like, all right, you know what? <laughs> Whatever. And it but then, but then it's also like a learning experience of like how can people get into this? Like, how can you do Scientology? Because I watch it. And it's just like people, it's definitely like targeting people that have low self-confidence. It's like, I can see someone buying into this of a support yeah. system and shit like that. So they're looking, of, they're looking for their spark. hundred percent. It's just like, this is the thing. And this is the community and shit like that. 
And then I remember they asked me after, like, what do you think? I was like, oh, yeah, it was really, really interesting, like, all this stuff. And then so the next thing I'd do is I take a personality test. Then they bring you into this other room. It's like uh, you have a scantron of, like, 100 questions, whatever, and, like, true or false. And the best part is then afterwards you have someone else. They almost put it, like, in a machine to, like, go over your scores. And I remember she was like, Michael. These are some of the worst scores. Ever. Like you need help, and and like I, I was like, I'm not gonna. The whole point. They I'm not, probably say that to everybody. Exactly, and I'm not gonna be like, no, no, you're right. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm. I had. I did play up to it. I'm not gonna yeah. be like, you're wrong. Like, or else it wouldn't make any sense. And then it was just fascinating just to see if like if I was imagining myself as someone that was looking for that that spark of you need help. We can help you. I can see how people can do that type thing instead of just saying Scientology is crazy. Anyone who does it is crazy. There were normal looking people in there. It's not as crazy as you think. Like it's just an understanding of something that you wouldn't do. It's something that I'm still learning. I'm very stubborn in certain ways of like the way I think or the way I do things. But then it's helpful. I'm still learning like seeing other people's perspectives is just so important. And you know what? I might be in the minority here, but I can see how you all think like this. I think that's an important thing to consider as well. So yeah, it was just a very unique experience like it was bizarre so fucking bizarre but it's just something that's like you know what that's just that was like i think that was the first kind of like yeah concert or movie by yourself yeah it's by yourself it's like whatever like this is such an obscure thing to even do i was like damn if i can just do this it's like what's the what's the i'm just open i'm up for whatever i'm up for whatever that's i think for me going back to the like the friends I have, the family, I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate. I think about that all the time. It's so important to me. But I think for me, it's just always, I want to be someone that my friends know I'm just always up for, you need help with something, share something, you get an idea. I got a friend who's a stand-up comic. He's like, hey, can someone, can I run a bit off someone? I was like, yeah, FaceTime me right now. Let's just do it. It's just like being there. Availability is just, I think, a thing because it's just like, what's my excuse mm. not to? Yeah, if I'm the other part of the fucking country, of course, I'm not going to come on your podcast, but if I had take a step back, what was holding me back from saying no to you if you asked me to be on the podcast? Nothing substantial. I'll make it work. Yeah. If you want to do something, you'll make it work. That's so true. Yeah. People, people will find every reason to say why something can't happen and never consider why it can. And the, the yeah. fact of the matter is most things absolutely can happen. Mm. I do it all the time, too. I'm like, I oh, know I could never do that. Or no, I could never do this. And yeah. like, I try to check myself because we are, yeah. one thing we need to recognize, we are all hypocritical. I don't give a shit who you are. We all have hypocritical moments every single day of our lives in some, in small ways and then sometimes bigger ways. But like, one of the things is like, yeah, I get stuck in my zone of like, well, I got to do this and take care of that. I, I can't really do that. And then it's like, you look back and you're like, I could have. Mm -hmm. Or like, I, I could have tried that. And you make yourself do that. But there's like it's just very ironic that you go to the Church of Scientology where it's this cultish, you know, closed-minded whatever, and you did it as an open-minded guy who just wanted to see, like, man, I want to see how they fucking get these people to do this. Yeah. But ha have you ever read uh, Tribe by Sebastian Younger or Junger? I forget how he pronounces it. You really put me on the spot with this podcast. I, I promise I read books, but I have not read that either. No, it's the, you know how many <laughs> fucking books there are out there? I yeah. don't expect it. Well, another that's also like a really short one, but it's it's very effective and it's exactly what it sounds like. He breaks down how throughout history, as humans, we are 
trained to have our baseline as having a purpose within a group of people who have similar goals and therefore ideologies or thoughts or whatever. And there's he raises so many amazing points in that book. I love it. There's a lot of things, though, that he hit on that I don't even know if he knows he did or like mm -hmm. these cans of worms that he opened up that, again, I don't know if he knows he did. But when I was going through it, I realized, because again, like he's breaking it down from like the Native American days, you know, BC days, like caveman days, like everything, mm -hmm. all the way up to now. And what he didn't say in there, at least that I noticed, was it gets you into the trap when, when, when you want to be a part of a tribe and therefore be a part of a culture, a way of thought, you feel that human connection that's that's why you want to be there mm -hmm. and and it makes you like we all want to even our introverted people in society they still inherently want to be around other people and spread happiness to other people they may just not know how and so when you go to do this you think you're doing the right thing on all of it but when you relate it to today it's very dangerous and it's a slippery slope because it's so easy to form tribes mm -hmm. you just go online you get in schools of thought you like one of my quotes that I've said a lot before that I try to watch now because I think some of the connotations are wrong is like, I want to be around like-minded people or what I think that's very, very dangerous. Mm -hmm. I want to be around people of all different backgrounds, like things I hate and things I love, you know, and everything in between just to like see what's what. And that's what you do. And so you are an outlier in the sense that all these people in society, whether they realize it or not, not all of them, but a lot of people, they get stuck in these tribal thoughts. That that's the It is a parallel to the term echo chamber when we look at social media and when we look at mm -hmm. like talking earlier about people think this way, so they must think all these ways too. And that is what is such a weakness with us. And it's because we've lost a lot of the original things that put tribes together, which was literally things like hunting for food, needing survival, and then therefore sharing in that experience of like, oh my God, we pulled it off. Like we provided for the women and children of the village. And like the women and children built the homes of the village and provided this place for us all to live in happiness. And now because we have access to so many different resources and so many different decision points and things that we can do we don't have to worry about that you know that's why COVID's like such a big deal too because god forbid like some of us die and, and yes like it, it's not a good thing I, i'm not saying that at all but i'm saying like mm -hmm. you know they they were worried about being mauled by bears you yeah. know 400 years ago that's not that long ago in the mm -hmm. context of history mm -hmm. and so we we want to find these same tribes today that they did back then, but now with all the things that we can worry about besides survival and the simple shit, it leads us down these pathways of thought. It leads us down these pathways of, oh, well, I must have thought this, so therefore, robotically, I must think like this. It's like what Horo said, um, what's his name, Kozla, the, the famous venture capitalist. I think it's Vinek Kozla. I should know that, but very famous guy. I, I wasn't as familiar with him, but Horo really, really talked about him. He said, if you subscribe to one political ideology, for example, you are essentially a robot. So think about how many issues there are that you're supposed to subscribe to when you do that. Mm -hmm. What are the chances percentage that you agree with all of them? Yeah. Probably zero. But there's a lot of people who then put themselves down to suddenly just assume they agree with all of them and then parrot it out. And so to see people who literally go outside the box and literally go go try to experience new things and new ways of thought, even if they're fucked up like that, it's refreshing. Yeah. Like I, I feel it's just because of COVID, 
when you're just more isolated, you're more aware mm. of certain things. So it's just people are sheep in the sense of it's, it's like people on a schedule. Let's say there's a pot like in the news, a, a shooting of a, a black individual. And then I'll just know instantly what's going to happen on Instagram. It'll be the same, like 50 people post the same infographic of like this. And then COVID like this, it's just like, RB, I, don't, I don't know. It's like RBG dying. It's like, tragic for sure and there's a lot like she's done for sure but i instantly know it's just like or like when chadwick boseman dies like certain, i just know what's gonna happen it's like someone's just gonna post like r.i.p them and then move on yeah. it's just like you don't really mean this you're just it's just like i feel like i have to do this i feel like i have to input these like certain things as part of the schedule of like and i think it's like so people can look at things and interpret it differently so i always look at twitter of like People are outraged on Twitter. My example, like, I could tweet right now in all caps, like, fuck the president. It's like, Michael Sahagin is outraged. And we yeah. have on film me just, like, joking about it. But how it can just say that got, like, 100,000 retweets, it'd be like, Michael's outraged. Like, the whole world thinks Michael Sahagin is outraged when clearly I was just, man, fuck the president. Like, yeah. that, like it's just, like, context, context. Context. And it's just not to just... It's so quick to make decisions. People just want to... And I do it. We all do it. We all do it. It's I don't participation trophy and and even in some level virtue signal culture. Yeah. People want to feel like they're doing the right thing according to what they think the tribe expects them. To exactly. Do. Yeah. It's this. It is. It is a, a death march towards the death of your ability to think for yourself. Mm-hmm. And we've made that controversial. Now we mm-hmm. have made freedom of thought a controversial <laughs> subject matter. That yeah. is why people like Jordan Peterson are. Intellectual dark web controversial. That's bullshit. I said this earlier, but that's exactly why they label him that way because they say like, oh, well, he has the audacity to say, hey, let's rethink that. And let's actually talk about it. I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's talk about it. Yeah. And you know what you do? Then let's say he, and he very well may, he says a lot of things that maybe, you know, his evidence isn't as good for and like you should disagree with. I, I don't know. I could probably think of examples if I looked at it, but you are more likely to see people not recognize that who support him because you have now labeled them and said, if you listen to this guy, you're you're an idiot or you're controversial or your beliefs aren't, aren't what they're supposed to be. And that's what we've done. We've said this is what it's supposed to be. And the things that get loudest, the loudest trumpets, especially online, that define whatever supposed to be means suddenly become the arbiters of what is. And that is not how society works. That's what triggers. Oh, triggers me in the That's sense okay. of say it. Yeah. It, no for my myself if someone just puts a label on me or tells me what to do like you should think like this um that's the instantly i'm gonna like no no don't tell me yeah. in fact i'm gonna probably try this out more because you you told me to or something yeah. like that but also i think sometimes you know as younger it goes back to like a class like there's no such thing as a dumb question or something like that and Sometimes it's like no one wants to ask something and someone asks a question and everyone's like, thanks for asking. I was thinking the same thing. And I think that's something I've just been comfortable that's with myself to, to do that more. And if, say, I'm in a presentation at work or a social event or something, and I'm like, wait, this doesn't sound right. But then if they tell me, they rebut me, and they make sense, I'm like, you know what? You make sense. That's okay. I just wanted to check. I think that's okay. I'm not trying to get take you out i don't have a vendetta against someone but if i feel like something's not up i have no problem saying it and if you prove me wrong good 
Yeah. Like that's okay. Like that's an okay process of like, I, I, I voice my concern. You give adequate response. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I'm not always right. I'm probably more wrong than I'm right. Like that's most people are. It's, it's, it just all goes back to, I don't know. It's just fascinating. Just people are just not comfortable being uncomfortable and just like saying, like, we don't know everything. It's, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. You'll be okay. Live. We, have, we have the option to be comfortable in today's society. Yeah. They didn't have that option yeah. 400 years ago. Yeah. They either went outside and, and found a way to plow or shoot or with a bow and arrow dinner. Yeah. Or they starved. And when we get, I said this a few minutes ago, but when we get those resources where it's just second nature, what do we prioritize next? We prioritize things that are less important in the context of our survival. Mm -hmm. And this, this, this all goes back to it. But you, I, I mean, I don't know, like an hour ago, something like that. I think we started this, this whole thing talking about like your curiosity with stuff. And that's been a theme throughout this, but you're, literally talking about asking questions right there and how they're and i know this example so well how people be like oh i was thinking that but i didn't ask and why didn't they ask they didn't ask because they were afraid to and why are they afraid to they they might be really shy and they might be on top of being really shy they're shy about the fact that they're afraid that if they ask it people are going to judge them and think that it's dumb and and say fuck you when that might happen, but you got to be able to, and it's very hard to be able to say, I don't fucking care what that guy thinks. He's just putting his insecurities onto me to feel good about it. And yeah. like, it's very, very, very hard to do that. But that culture has led to our lack of asking questions in society on everything. It may happen in the classroom, but it happens everywhere. People don't question the status quo. I think I have that in like the intro of this show where I'm like, you know, if you don't like the status quo, start asking questions or whatever, which is so mm -hmm. legitimate. And there's, I there was a quote from, I don't know who it was, just like a tidbit statement that this guy made, but someone relatively known. I saw it on my guy, Matt Kamenash's Instagram, which... I've said this on a podcast before, but this dude, like, I think he's got like a thousand followers. It's not a big account. His Instagram is flames. Like yeah. his Instagram stories are unreal. The memes, the the tweets, everything, like incredible. But this guy was talking about how when you go around kindergartners, they're curious about everything. They're asking about everything. They want to know how this works and how that works and what happens. And it used to be like that, where you kind of continued that throughout life. Everyone wanted to know, wow, like, you know, imagine the first caveman looking at the fellow caveman, I use this example all the time, who managed to round the rock into this shape where you could roll shit. Imagine how much they all like went around and went, ooh, 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 oh yeah, round rock. Like, but <laughs> yeah. that that's how they then got to the point where suddenly then they created a wheelbarrow that, that could then carry stuff on, on top of that rock and shit. They got from one thing to the next. But today, what this guy was saying to go back to his quote was, by the time you get to 12th grade, like, and it could be before then, but then go from the kindergarten class and go to the 12th grade class. No one's raising their hand. Yeah. That's a generalization. Sure. But they're not asking these questions. Mm -hmm. They're not doing something. And what he said is that something tragic has happened between kindergarten and 12th grade in this country, and we need to put our fingers on it. And I will put my finger on it. It is fucking echo chambers of thought that make you worried about what you say. It's just, I mean, that's the cherry on top of the the cake for this or Sunday, whatever, for this entire conversation about the loss of curiosity and, and the fact that we have to say someone like you is an outlier. Yeah. 
It's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. yeah, but it's 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 fascinating stuff. And then I I think about that, but then I just move on. Like <laughs> I I don't I don't look at myself as an outlier because then it's just like who is this group deciding that for me? Who is the who's the who's the committee that's like Michael Sahagan is an outlier? There's no there's no committee deciding. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's but, very fair. Yeah, so I don't I don't you know. I want to say I discredit what people, my peers think of me because I think there's a level of, I think it's important. I want a good reputation. It's just like I I believe that I'm a good person in general. It's just like that aspect of it. But I'm not going to be like, what does X think about me on a Tuesday? Like It's just like this kind of like generalization because people are we're so busy. Everyone has their own life. That's what really helped me kind of thinking about the going to the movies or something by myself. It's just, you're worried. The biggest thing is that you're just worried what other people think about you. And I just asked someone, it's like, what do you, what do you have for lunch today, Julian? Uh, rice. What do you have for lunch two days ago? Rice. Rice and uh, chicken. All right. You're not, uh, if you're just going to say rice every day, this isn't, <laughs> you're not going to help me with this example, but a normal person, <laughs> maybe they have different meals every day. And then by like yeah. the third or fourth day, they're going to be like, I don't remember. And it's just like, think about it. The meal is something you eat every day. It's your thing. You you don't even remember that about yourself. So how the fuck are you going to remember some guy just didn't go to the movies with another friend? Oh, yeah. Kind of shit. Like, just think, like, you can't even remember, like, what color underwear did you wear three days ago? You don't know. Did we talk about Kobe earlier? Yeah. In this podcast? Yeah. I, I don't know if I use this example, though. Go for but it. But I, I definitely mentioned the Bet David interview, I think. I In the car, you're talking about it. Yeah, it was a car of the podcast, one of them. But yeah. Kobe doing the Patrick Bet David interview towards the end of his life where he takes you straight into his mind mindset. And I, I love talking about this. But the, the biggest story in there, I think for me, that just made me go, wow, was he was talking about his rookie year and it was the second round of the playoffs and the Lakers are playing the Utah Jazz, who mm. that year ended up playing the Bulls in the finals and were the second best team in the league. It's like game six or something like that, and it's fourth quarter overtime, somewhere in there. And Kobe had like four or five air balls, and they lost the game. Mm -hmm. And so on TV, they're like, the young, straight out of high school rookie Kobe Bryant air balls four or five times, and the Lakers lose. You'll wonder if he's going to bounce back or whatever. And he said, you know, when we flew back that night, I went into the gym, and I worked. And Patrick Bet David is like, well, did it bother you? And he goes, here's the thing, man. No. When I did those air balls, I simply asked myself why they happened. Mm -hmm. He said they happened because that was like, we have an 82-game season, second round of the playoffs. It's like game 90 or 95, whatever. Mm -hmm. He goes, I came out of high school. The most games I ever played in a season was 35. So he's like, oh, shit, I just didn't have the legs. I'm going to train my legs, and next year I'll have the legs, and that won't happen. And Bet David's like, well, well, yeah, but you still were embarrassed on national TV, and you have all these people talking about you. And Kobe said, bro, you have to remember something. doesn't matter if you're an NBA player or not, or just some schmo sitting in an office. You're not that important. He's embarrassed if he decides he was embarrassed. Yes. That's what it is. That's it. Yeah. He's like, nobody cares. He's like, they'll be talking about it. They talked about it on the broadcast. They're going to damn well show it on the highlights and talk about me at the tables tomorrow. And he said, you know what's going to happen the next day? We're already out of the playoffs and life is going to go the fuck on and no one's watching what I do. Yep. And so I'm just going to work. And you know what's not going to happen again? 
those fucking airballs. And you know who's not going to be saying shit about Kobe Bryant in the future? Those fucking people saying shit about me right now. And I think about that all the time because we think about it when we post or when we go to we curate the actions in our lives for what people are going to think about them because we assume in our open society they're going to see it. And we think about it from the lens of like, oh, it's really important and people are going to judge every little thing I do and look at every little detail. And you know what? Some stalkers might. That's okay. Yeah. A few people will. Yeah, yeah. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. You're not important. Yeah. I'm not important. You're not important. There's seven and a half billion people in this world. Yeah. People have lives. We don't even know who we're voting for. You think we're going to know what the fuck is going on in Mike Sahagan's life at all times? Michael. Or, or Michael. Michael, I'm sorry. Michael <laughs> Sahagan's life at all times and then be able to curate our lives around like, hey, that's not what I want, so I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. You know what? If you're doing that, <laughs> you got a lot of problems that I don't, and that that's that's on you, man. And we forget this in our society today, and I'm just so glad that you bring it up because it, it, it's, I mean, I could... I will never stop saying that because it, it, it bothers me that, that people are like that, but it's, it's the truth. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Like Once you figure it out for yourself, it's just it's a contagious behavior that you just don't want to stop. And I think for me, I look at it as like I live my life and I'm doing the things I want. And I think the best compliment I can ever get is for someone to reach out of like, you did that, that inspired me to do this. Like yeah. I've had like... Something of, all right, I started, I was always a runner, but I never did marathons until three or four years ago. And I was someone who was like, all right, I'm going to post every fucking day I go for a run. Yeah, that's annoying. It's like, oh, sick, dude. You went for a run. Like, I get that. But then it's like, all right, you've done multiple marathons. I got people hitting me up like, hey, I see you're a runner. Like, do you have a recommendation on a watch? Hey, I'm trying to do a marathon. What do you recommend? It's like, that's awesome. It's like, I'm so happy to help you out. Like You can pay it forward. Absolutely. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, then that person will probably at their first marathon, what's going on in their head? Maybe they just want to get in shape. Maybe they're challenging themselves of like, what do I else do I want to do? Happy to help you out. And I think it's just for the way to, to help people out, you gotta be, I think it's it's you gotta be specific. You gotta you gotta help the person that wants that you want the help from. So it's like I listen mm. for like, say music. Like, hey, Michael, listen to a lot of music. And that comes from so many good friends of mine. Starting with when I was in DC, if like Charlie, Chris Duda, and Gavin, just that was a big. It's funny. It's just like a shock coming from a fraternity or a sports fraternity. But these were three guys that I remember. It was like the first Sundays of football. No one was like amped for football. I was like, guys, are we we're watching the football games? Like, what? I don't care. Like, it's like, wait, these guys are just not into just football every Sunday. It's like interesting interesting there's a different way you can do other stuff on a sunday yeah. such a dumb realization of course people go to a museum go to coffee like i don't know just do other shit besides just watch football days like you know what this was like a all right what else is different what else i thought was just the way to do it um but just like the music thing of you know something like, you like music give me some suggestions like that's you gotta help me out a little bit more if, like if you can come to me of like hey i like this genre of music these artists you have anything similar, it's a lot easier to to help someone out. And it's not like a bad thing. It's good intentions, but something of, you know, helping people out. That's that's for me, it's just I want to be a resource. Because I'm always I'm always being a sponge for people. I'll ask you, it's like I don't know a thing about podcasts. My friend David's really into watches. I don't know a thing about watches, but like I'll happily come over to your house, give me a drink, spend three hours talking to me about podcasts or watches. That'll keep me interested. Just it's just more information and it's just for someone else again opportunity it's like 
You're the expert. Show me your stuff. And that's a cool feeling. That's a cool feeling to have someone ask that for you. It's like, you know what? I want to do a podcast. This guy did a real ass job. This is legit. He's the expert. I can watch a YouTube video, but I have a friend that knows it. I want to come to you. It's just a great feeling to have. Yeah, man. It, well, look, I, I I think that's that's a great place to stop. You said so many things today that I'm gonna have to watch a million times back, and uh, I'm I'm not surprised. It's when when I go to bring people in, obviously, like we don't really know where it's gonna go, but like I know some of your hot buttons always. Like I know when a guest comes in, like he's an expert in this or she's good at this or or whatever, and and the depth to which you think about this stuff, I have to say though was a little bit surprising to me because it was it was a lot more than I thought. And that's it, it's I feel like I get pleasantly surprised every podcast episode, but that's the beauty of this medium. When you sit down and and it's not like, all right, we have 40 minutes to go through this and you can actually just talk to people and get into a flow and and start to dig deeper on on questions that everyone has. It it's amazing some of the stuff that other people will come up with and I'm just happy we get to get it on camera. So and on the mic. So thank you for coming down, brother. Julian. I'm proud of you. Thank you Thanks, so much. Man. This is amazing. You're crushing it. Thanks, brother. I'm 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 trying, and and that's that's the thing. That's that's what can't get taken away. I'm, this is I'm yours. Going after it. This is yours. Trend the fire. Follow. Listen. <laughs> share. All right. Thanks, well, brother. We'll, we'll we'll keep it rolling, and at some point we'll we'll have you on again. But thanks for coming in, my dude. And uh, everyone else, give it a thought. Get back to me. Peace. <laughs>